What's up, people? Hotep Jesus. We are back with another uncomfortable conversation. As you already know, I'm a two-time author, three-time tech startup co-founder. You can find all my companies in the description box below. You can find my books in the description box below. If you want to create an immune system that can resist the COVID or prepare your body to attack the COVID, your immune system, that link is also in the description box below. It's basically a regimen on how HOTEPs boost our immune system using nature's items. Um, what else I want to tell you guys about? Um, got the investment for Wazo. We got about 110K for Wazo, uh, the AI company, between two investors looking at a third. I sent out a uh, investor deck today. So if you guys are looking to invest in any one of my companies, let me know. I'm looking to value that thing uh, probably like 500K to 1.2 mil or somewhere in that area. Uh, chat, can you just tell me uh, how the stream looks? Looks a little bit choppy, right? Doesn't the video look a little bit choppy? Let me know, let me know, let me know in the chat how it looks. Okay, yeah, it seems to be catching up now. But without further ado, let me introduce my guest, the homie, Thaddeus Russell. Thaddeus, what's up, bro? Hey, so good to be here. Good, good, <laughs> good to have you. Good to have you. Every time we've had a conversation, it's been like fucking epic. Mm -hmm. So um, I have no idea what to expect from tonight. Mm. Um, but what I do know is... Uh, we're gonna dive into some of your early childhood stuff. Oh shit! Then, then we're gonna figure out <laughs> why you decide to specialize in my people's history. Why a white man decided to specialize in my people's history. Uh huh. And then we'll dive into. Uh, it looks good, chat. Great, great, great. And then we'll dive into some of the uh, other topics. All right. Um. So first of all, where are you from again? Berkeley, California. Berkeley, California. Yep. Yeah, you white, white. Wait, hold up. So listen, first of all, <laughs> we, I, didn't I go over this with you? <laughs> the, Oakland, the Oakland border, though. So uh, like which where south, southwest, Ber southwest Berkeley along the Oakland border. We were two blocks from the National Black Panthers headquarters. All right. So my neighborhood was integrated it was mixed for sure but i'd say it was probably about 50 to 60 percent black um for about half my childhood so mm. i was not no and then and then there was two years when uh we lived in oakland and i went to a school that was about 80 to 90 percent black and i and i would walk into school and and be like there is no god god doesn't exist because my, <laughs> my dad was like an atheist you know communist <laughs> I'm like, there's no guy. And just, I just remember just like black dudes just be bang, just. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what grade is this? Oh, that was like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Uh, oh, damn. And then, but the worst was the black girls. I, I told you about the black girls, didn't I? Like they, they just terrorized me all the time. Um, yeah, this was like the time of. Um, so this was my I'm I am actually. Berkeley was the first city in the United States to forcibly integrate its children by busing. Uh, 
1970, okay. right here, your friend was one of those children. I was I oh. was one of the I was one of the very first children in the United States to be bused for integration. So Berkeley is trying to create like perfect equality, and there's actually like a large enough black population here that I don't know what it was, but I mean, every school had at least I'd say like a quarter was at least a quarter black, but it was like each one was equal, right? So there all the schools. So, but anyway, there was like a lot of like mixing, like, but it was like forced. So what did that, what do you think that meant? Like, you know, when you get like little egghead white boy, skinny ass white boys like me walking around, walking around talking about no God <laughs> and, and you're, a, and you're a dude, and you're, you're a dude from like, you know, South Berkeley, near, near the hood, like near the, near the Panthers headquarters and you know, like, <laughs> I was like sitting, I was a sitting duck. So, and, and, you know, I wasn't the only white boy who got his ass kicked and terrorized and like made fun of and, uh, spit in the face of, and yeah, I mean, I remember once I was, this was, uh, in between periods and like the whole hallway was empty and I went to my locker, it was eighth grade. And I thought that the whole, whole hallway was empty. I've never told this story to anyone. All right. Already. Hotel Jesus exclusive. Already you owe me <laughs> and put my whatever, close the locker and a turn. And these two kids, both black, I didn't really, I don't think I knew either one of them at all. And they just walk right up to me. And one of them just goes <sighs> and spits like a big ass loogie, like directly into my face. And, and like, I didn't even think, see, this was the thing, like, that school, like most Berkeley schools, the principal was black, half the teachers were black, and especially like the enforcer assistant principals, all, you know, the disciplinarians, they were all black, you know, so it wasn't like, <laughs> so I felt like I, I just couldn't do anything. So I just walked home. Wow. But I, but, and you know, I've told you how I was getting my ass kicked on a fairly, not badly, like no one ever like really hurt me, but you know, like just enough to like show who was boss basically. Um, a on a rate on a regular basis, like once so, a week. What's that? Like once a week? I mean, yeah, probably for a while there. Yeah, um, something like that would happen. You know, again, it was never like they would never really do anything bad to me. It was just like right. showing, like they would hold me down, maybe choke me a little bit. Like I think I got punched in the face maybe once. And I, the spit, the spitting thing, that was by far the worst thing, though. That was bad. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's, that's, bad. that's just distasteful, too. So, so how did you go from getting your right. ass whooped by black people to kissing a black girl? Right. So, yeah, like, <laughs> but I just want <laughs> to say, I want to say, like, that story, I just, all that other stories, like, that's one of the big untold stories of, like, American race relations is that little okay. period of, of, like, social engineering when the progressives took control. And they're like, we're going to take all the fucking children and we're going to mix them just the way we think, you know, uh, put them on buses like the fucking Jews in the Holocaust, by the way. You know, like, uh, right? Think about that. They forcibly put children on buses every day and then to, to, do, to, to, to do, like, a racial social engineering project. What the fuck does that sound like? Mm. That's what... That's what that was. And we were just the first city. And then it was Boston. And that was really famous. But like a lot of cities across. I don't know. Do you ever get bust for that reason? Uh, no. Not for that reason. Not not for any reason. You didn't get bust to like 
whatever, a white schools and I never, I've never ridden on a school bus. You're unless lucky. it was like a unless it was like a, a a field trip. I was very privileged growing up. Yeah, yeah. You, this, that's that's the funny shit, man. See, like the class difference between us is kind of like I don't know, I don't know <laughs> who's more street. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm blacker. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> yeah, somebody got to tweet that out. Thaddeus might be blacker than Hotel Jesus. <laughs> I said no. I said more street. <laughs> more street. I'll be that, the one. That. I'm going to have to hold your hand crossing the crosswalk, man. You'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like with my son. I'm like, no, see, that's when, they, when it's green, that's when you walk. Um, God, it's crazy, bro. Um, yeah, so, like my dad, my dad wouldn't let me. He he, he felt like oh, my son will never drive, will never take public transportation. Are you serious? It was that's how my dad was, you know, military guy. And even my my um, brothers and sisters, when he was in the military, they were like chauffeured by the military, you know, to to and from school. And yeah. I think they took school buses in Jamaica. But um, yeah, that's how my dad was. He's very very protective of me. Yeah, um, that's like. Can you believe that shit though? Like that was a national. It became like a national project. The progressive. Let's let's extrapolate that, right? So, yeah. What what is the? I guess the higher agenda Disgusting. behind them wanting to forcibly <laughs> integrate people. Right? Yeah. Like what are they trying to do? You know. Um, well, I've been trying to answer exactly that question for about. 20 years now <laughs> okay like by reading everything those people ever said uh mm. the progressives the racial liberals black and white mostly white but but black too like so i mean the black ones like the civil rights leaders basically you know they were straight up very clear you know we want to be like you culturally like white people we want to <laughs> dress and speak. I mean, King said this and like, the, you know, look it up. King, like, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I want to dress like white folk. Health. Yes, he did. There was, yes, he did. <laughs> look at, look, he I gave a series of sermons in 1957 and 58. I write it. It's in my book, uh, but it's, you can, it's online. You can just Google it. It's right there. The Martin Luther King papers are all online. He was getting up in, in, uh, in black churches and giving sermons saying black people, you need to stop drinking. You need to stop fornicating. You need to stop. Start working hard. You need to, and and he said, uh, and you need to, and you need to adopt the the norms of white people, like straight up to their faces. Um, I mean, that's. I mean, like, like if someone said that today of any color, of any, even a black person today, like, yeah. right? Except for Joe Biden, crucified. I think I think Joe Biden could get away with it. <laughs> right, except Joe Biden would get elected president for it. <laughs> 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 you Negroes, oh, we'll vote for you, Joe. God damn. <laughs> damn. So they wanted, uh, they wanted to be like white people. Mm. That's deep. So that's, that's deep. so wait, yeah. So that's the black. That's definitely the black liberal, black progressive civil rights civil rights leadership. Absolutely, they said it. They said it. Assimilation. Assimilation now, was what the were word. They, what were the what were the alternative blacks? The hotep blacks but, saying. Oh yeah, well, well, yeah, definitely get to them. But like, um, so, but like, so, so I'm I'm sympathetic, of course, to them. You have to be right, because like, at least partly, 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 right? Because they were under fucking Jim Crow, like, 
you know, that's that was shit was real. You know, this is not this is not fucking around like what we're talking about now. You know, college campuses and this was like you were not allowed access to shit. You know, as a human being, that you should. Um, right. Um, and so, and there's it was simply well. Then the quest. Then the question is whether it was just strategic, right? Because that's what people said. Like we have to show. Like King said this. King said this. We have to show white people that we can be like them for, in order to like get over, you know, in, in order to get first class citizenship. That was the whole argument. That he, that's what he said. They all said that John Lewis, John Lewis said exactly this. That's what he was about. Wait, the John Lewis that just passed away? Yes. John Lewis was like a right hand man of Martin Luther King. He said all this shit. He was they were all saying this. We need to act like white people. We need to prove that we can behave properly, seriously, seriously, in order to get the vote, which, of course, you know, that's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the only important thing. Right. And, and a Civil Rights Act, which, you know, you could argue was basically unnecessary by that point, because it, by 1964, people were walking up to drugstores and were like, okay, if you don't integrate your shit right now, we're going to have about 500 people down here. And then the national media is going to be on your ass and it's going to be very embarrassing. And they're like, you know, they were folding across the South. Like, so, I mean, that's all they got out of it. Actually. Mm. Um, mm. It's very likely that there would have been integration, not to mention the fact, Oh my God. I mean, what's, ha what is happening in the 1950s and 1960s among like white young people, we were talking about imitate wanting to be other races, right? Uh, like even in the deep South, they all wanted to be, f either they wanted to fuck Chuck Berry or they wanted to be Chuck Berry. It's not that much of an exaggeration, you know? Um, and so, I mean, that, that's why so Chuck Berry- white people want to be black and black people want to be white. This is correct. Isn't that funny? Doesn't that, that's, that's, I've never put it that way. That's right. But that's right. Well, certain sections, right? So like, right. it's the black political class we're talking about here. Let's be really clear and really specific. Yes. Um, black political class, the, the self-appointed in every, almost every case leaders coming right. either almost always from the clergy uh, sometimes just they're like left, they're like commies who can like ascend outside the church, but usually they come mm. from the church, mm. but that class, you know, and, and that class also known as the black middle class, like we call them that in the, in academia, right. Their discourse, their way of thinking, their politics has like not budged since the civil war. Like they've been straight <laughs> up, straight up. We must assimilate. We must be like white people. <laughs> oh I mean, they may not use that those terms, but like, right? What do they dress like? White what, folks. Who 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 invented the business suit? Where where do you think that comes from? Ghana? Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, even even most white people don't wear that fucking thing anymore, right? That was invented yeah. to like cage the white man's body to like desexualize it in ways that you know black people were not about right uh, so anyway uh, but uh, yeah wait 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 you can't yeah. just skip skip by some facts like that what were you saying about this suit caging people's bodies okay so the what business, do you mean the business suit right that we know know today uh was invented in the 1830s right okay um and it looked pretty much you know it's essentially the same thing as it is today but the whole purpose of it was to make all men look the same 
mm. and to also make them desexualized. Mm. Because desexualized. Because, yeah, because it was a work uniform. It's a uniform, right, mm. for work. But for, but for like upper class work, relatively mm. upper class work, but still it's a work uniform. And that's why like lower class uni work uniforms, like, I mean, they've been made sexy. They can be made sexy, but they're not intent. They're, you know, they look like prison uniforms, right? right. They're, in, they're like desexualized, right? Mm. They, they like hide the body. Everybody looks the same. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's, so that's the business. Suit. So it was very puritanical and it actually mm. came out of like puritanical thinking. Mm -hmm. came out of partly the church, the mm. business suit. Mm -hmm. So it was very anti-sex, very mm. and very anti-sexual for men. Mm. People always talk about how women are always being shamed for being sluts and being sexual, which is totally true. But men too, men have been like, it's not okay. It's never been okay to be like a playboy or a, back then it was called a cad, you mm. know, um, no, that, so that's what the business suit was about. It was about mm. like getting us ready for capitalism, mm. Mm. Discip discipline, mm. order, uniform, like the military. See, mm. like I'm, I'm for markets. Like you and I, we agree. Like we have a libertarian, like economic policy in our plank, right? But like, right. but at the same time, capitalism's got some shit in it that's like unpleasant while you're going through it right i mean like getting Absolutely. up getting up at the same time every morning it fucking sucks right no yeah, one likes yeah. that and and then once you're in the office or the factory like there is no first amendment <laughs> yeah, the boss yeah. is the boss is mussolini you know like yeah. and he can do whatever the fuck he wants to you and you have nothing to say about it pretty right. much short of violence right? right um so yeah um Anyway, that's, oh, that's so, uh, all right. So, so I love that piece, right? Because uh, I went through some sort of spiritual awakening many years ago, almost a decade now, and I threw out all my suits and all my neckties, and like I'm never going to wear this white man's uniform again. Right? Oh yeah, all right. And I, I haven't worn, and I even I've I've even tweeted out like never trust a black man in a suit, right? Mm. Now, this is something that I, I've learned subconsciously because I think people use it as a tool to scam. Go ahead. What were you about to say? Oh, sorry. No, I was just, I was about to, I was about to ambush you with another, with a, with a question. So, well, all right. This is where you and I might start to diverge a bit. All let's right. Let's get it. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe I can, maybe I can, I want to see if I can bend you back to my, in my direction. Okay. So, right. so, so far, like we're agreeing kind of on the business suit, but like we dislike it for kind of different reasons, right? For me, it's like yeah. puritanical and it like, you know, it's like anti-pleasure and for yeah. you, it's it's the white man's uh, like prison suit in a way, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Which yeah. I don't which I don't disagree with, like you know. But like so anyway. But I I I I but, but I do agree. I do agree with your side too, though. That's part of my reasoning, right? Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the first reason. And the first reason was like, who said I need to wear this thing to be right. considered professional? And what the fuck is professional mean anyway, right? Like right. I've always been like trying to rebel from that. Right, right, right. So no, we're so like so far. I think we're we're in sync, and like it's all comp complementary. Like the two right the ways we're thinking about this. But hold. So let me ask you this, and I don't. I'm not sure what you're gonna say, but my guess is that when you rejected, when you went that, through that spiritual awakening and, and rejected the white man's garb for you, yeah. Yeah. did you go? Did you go Afrocentric? Is that where you went? Yeah. Right. Okay. Now <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> okay. So that's what I figured. That's what I guessed. All right. Yeah. Now. 
So I'm not opposed to that at all, of course. But, right. but, but. You pointed out the hypocrisy. No, 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 no. You're, you don't know where I'm going. Okay. Um, so what did like black, like working class, ordinary people, not the political class, okay? Not the political class, regular black people. What did they do with the business suit following that, like over the next like centuries? Well, they, they turned it into things like the zoot suit. Bam! <laughs> the zoot suit. Yeah. Which, by the way, black people don't get total credit for. You know who invented the zoot suit? Who? Filipinos. Filipinos is black, so we take it credit. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> they are the N-word of Asia. Yes. That's what that's what they, they like they call themselves that, right? Yeah. That's why they got like the fourth largest basketball league in the world or something like that. Do you yeah. know that? Yeah. That. The the PBL or something. Wow. <laughs> Manny Manny Pacquiao plays in it. And that's why they're into boxing. Because they love, they've, because, um, do you want to know that story? Do you want to know that yeah, story? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's a story. Yeah, um, yeah tell, it, tell it. So the Philippines is situated right Southeast Asia, where the, mm -hmm. it's that major shipping hub, right? Like, if you control that shit, you control everything. But like, but there's all those zillions of islands in there, right? And all these little waterways and shit. And it's all really, everything's, the Philippines is close to like every major Asian capital along the coast, right? Mm -hmm. So they had all these ocean liners, ocean liners back in the, we're talking about the turn of the 20th century, like 1900, okay? Mm -hmm. All these ocean liners that were like based in Manila, that would just okay. go to like Yokohama, Tokyo, Shanghai, you know, wherever, Hong Kong, Hong Kong right? So this was this huge industry and it was filled with like Filipinos like working on those ships, right? Uh. And then jazz and then jazz jumps off in New Orleans and and the Filipinos, there was a Filipino community living in New Orleans and they brought some of the jazz back to the Philippines and the Filipinos loved that shit. Uh. And they took it on and like they started becoming like amazing jazz musicians and then jazz dancers and they had jazz bands, but they're all Filipinos. And they performed on these ocean liner ships for the whites and whoever was, or not the whites, the Asians and the white tourists, right? right? So jazz gets spread, black music, black culture gets spread into Asia via the Filipinos mm. and, and who get, who get called, who get called niggers by the Chinese who were like, get the fuck out and piano playing devils because, wow. because they were spreading black culture. Oh. Uh. Wow. And, to, and to this day, that to this day, the Filipinos and every Filipino I've, I've ever known of the Bay Area has got a big Filipino community. So I grew up with a lot of them here. They're all proud of that shit. Like the um, the big DJ, the best DJs, not MCs, but when hip hop was starting when I was in high school here, were all Filipino guys. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Like they, they love that black culture. They love. Yeah. You know, so anyway, that's yeah, you see, yeah, you see it. You see it a lot. Um. So that's 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 called ah, my black cousins. So the zoot suit, who gets credit for oh, the zoot suit? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So this was a, yeah, they've, it's a fascinating story. So there was a little Manila because of the, because of the American empire, right? This is another reason the Filipinos knew about black culture was because we went over there and occupied their country in 1898. Right. Uh, and, and some of those soldiers were black and they brought this, the music with them also. That was another reason. Mm. So, once that happens, Filipinos are granted access to move to to the United States, and a, and a lot do, and they move to LA in particular, and or and here the Bay Area. I'm in Oakland now, and they established Little Manila, which is like a neighborhood in downtown LA. It's still there, uh, and 
there's a tailor apparently who had, I guess he had, it was actually not even blacks were the third group to get to do the zoot suit. Um, the, mm. it was, it was Chicanos first. It was Mexican Americans. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was a Filipino. The Filipinos like invented the style of the big exaggerated, um, shoulder pads and the big long drape coat and the big baggy pants and the hat and all that. Right. Okay. Um, and then the Mexicans took it up and the Mexicans wow. really made it big. And like you were like, if you were an 18 year old Mexican dude, you wore a zoot suit in LA for sure. And uh. then, and then finally, then the, then it got into South LA with the African American population. And then it jumped over to Harlem. And then that's when Malcolm X started wearing a zoot suit. Right. Yeah. 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 That's yeah like I do remember seeing like some old Latino movies and the Latinos had that, they did have one a zoo suit. You're it right. was Mexican. It was Mexican. Mexican, right, right, yeah. Mexican-American, yeah. Mexican-American, not Mexican. It was Chicano. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. But, yeah, before, but, yeah. but then, black, I mean, but then it became very much a black thing. And then, and then like white, like hipsters, like, jet, mm -hmm. like white jazz musicians and shit would, would also wear zoot suits for a while. Right. But the zoot suit became a symbol of rebellion against fucking everything in the United States, man, because it started in the middle of World War II. Hmm. What was going on in World War II was severe uh, rationing of everything, including cloth, right? Hmm. It was illegal to use excess cloth in the making of garments. What did, what did these fucking Mexicans and Filipinos and black people do? They used like way, way, way too much cloth because they were like, fuck you and your white man's war and I'm not fighting it anyway, yeah. right? So the zoot suit, because they were all draft dodgers. Uh. The zoot suitors were all like Malcolm. Malcolm writes about this. This is a huge part of the autobiography, right? Uh. All the zoot suitors were interested. A lot of them were pimps. A lot of them were drug dealers. A lot of them were hustlers of various kinds. They, they were about dancing and fucking and getting high and they were not about fighting in some white man's stupid ass war. And right. so they made up all these. And so these are the guys, great, great heroic stories of going to the draft. Well, you know, Malcolm's story about going to the draft board and being like, yeah, give me a gun. Let me shoot some. I'm going to shoot me some crackers. I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Give, me, give me a gun. I'm, I'm going to go shoot me some crackers. Like, well, okay. I was in Vietnam, but anyway. Um, so the but the zoot suits become like a symbol of like resistance to the war to like mm -hmm. fighting in the white man's war to fighting in this stupid war in the first place mm -hmm. uh and and all of that so they get lynched so the marine a bunch of marine not blacks but mexicans in la who are wearing the zoot suits there was a big pogrom like a huge riot called the zoot suit riot of 1943 in la which was just like white like soldiers and sailors just like rampaging through the streets of LA, beating the fuck out of Mexican dudes in zoot suits. Mm. Uh, like, and they had long hair that was part of the, part of the uniform and they would like cut their hair off also, which mm. was like a symbol of resistance, right? Cause the military had the close haircuts mm -hmm. and then they would like rip up, they would rip off their clothes and beat the fuck out of them. I don't think anybody was killed, but like lots of Mexican dudes had their asses kicked and nobody went to jail for this. So this was a really, mm. it was a big deal. Like it was like, it was when like, the black and Latino working class was basically really declaring, fuck this, this ain't, this is not our country. Right. This is not our country. You know, we'll live here. And if, and if you want to give us a job and pay us money, we're good. Right. Um, but that 
this I, I don't even know about what Japan is. I don't even give a fuck about Japan. Like they have, they are no threat to me. Germany, that's entirely crazy. Like that makes no sense. It's not relevant to our lives whatsoever, mm. right? It's you know mm. what I mean. Like and and yeah. like this and this country's never been ours because you fucking white people said it wasn't in the first place. Mm. So why should we adopt it now that you want us to go to war? Yeah, 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 <laughs> right? yeah. I yeah. mean that's I mean it's like Muhammad you know, Ali. Yeah, I mean, but Ali was like, pol he politicized it and like gave it an ideology and like a framework. I'm talking about like, I think most people, you know, of all colors don't do that shit. They just, they operate in this way where like white people have the United States generally like part of their identity, mm -hmm. right? Like when we right. see a cop, when we see a cop, we feel like comforted. Yeah. We, we relax, like the blood yeah. pressure goes down when we see a cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? exactly. Unless, unless, unless we're like poor, truly poor whites, maybe. But like most white people actually go, ah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's like, and so the nation states like in our heads more, like the flag is in there. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's part Nobody of Nobody loves America more than a white man. Right. Whereas like the, the, whereas the black population that has not been the political elite yeah the political class by and large fuck no yeah. <laughs> like not interested yeah. so that's my right. book that's my book that's like my big argument about african-american history right is that like because of slavery because of slavery thank you yeah that's chapter two and three i'm talking about because of slavery because of segregation because the white people forcibly kept black people out of their fucked up puritanical repressive culture, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. This is the thing. It's like people assume that like white culture was good. Mm. 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 Uh oh. Where? Right? No one. It's like <laughs> we t we throw around the term white supremacy. Okay. Now you tell me what is a deeper form of white supremacy than just assuming whatever white people have created, everyone must have. Uh, 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 like, that's like it right there. Like a bachelor's degree from Harvard. Like, who the fuck do you think invented that? Like, and yeah. who who the fuck do you think dominated it and, and was there for hundreds of years before they let a brown face in the door? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, my God, people. <clears throat> right? So white, but white people have this thing. So there was this, I, I tweeted it the other day. I saw this hilarious tweet. It was like Mother Jones, you know, the big like left wing magazine. They had this expose. They were mad. You know why they were mad? Because it was really difficult for these black guys to start the first black owned glossy food magazine. <laughs> God damn, that is disturbing, man. That black people were deprived of glossy food magazines. And I wrote, I wrote rich white people in vent things and then assume everyone else needs to have them yeah like what the fuck is, you know like when they had to invent that ballerina star what's her name <laughs> the black one there was this oh, whole oh, there was, oh, oh i know you're talking about yeah so you know what happened what? this was like in 2009 2010 yeah. there was like a, there was like a concerted campaign to inter to get black girls to take ba ballet classes mm. because it was like a it was a problem. Mm. I'm mm. like, 
Well, I think it's a bigger problem that there aren't enough white girls in hip hop classes, actually. But, you know, like, why is it a problem either way? Like, what do you you? It's a European form. Like, why do you assume? Why aren't we why aren't we troubled by the fact that no white people are taking West African dance classes? Uh huh. Because uh -huh. like almost none are except about uh -huh. five hippies, you know, uh -huh. like, yeah. But we're but it's like a fucking national crisis if there aren't enough if there aren't black people doing ballet. Yeah. Which isn't even like a fun like white <laughs> formal year who like <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, and it's like same with baseball. Like so as soon as like black people figured of course black people were the first people to figure out that the game was fucking boring. So they left so they started leaving it in about the 1980s they're like wait a minute this shit is boring. And then there's became like in the 1990s there was like like a concern. We were like, wait, this is a problem. We don't have enough. There are not enough black baseball players. And I'm like, yeah, because black people are sensible enough to understand that this fucking game is boring. It takes three and a half hours. Who the fuck's got three and a half hours to watch two like men throwing shit around, you know, and pausing yeah. for every, you know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But that's that comes from slavery, man. Mm. Uh, it's about. It's about not internalizing the United States and its culture inside of you and merging it with your identity so that they be it becomes one with who you are. Uh. So like the black political class since Frederick Douglass, and he was the founder of it, they've all been about merging the fuck out of themselves with the United States of America. Like, Freddy? right? But but very few other African American who we call African Americans uh, have right because if they had there would be no jazz. Hold up, hold up. I need you. What's what's the dirt on 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 Frederick Douglass? Because he's a little too popular to be. You want, okay, I mean, all right. So I mean, there's a way to talk about Douglass that would be like, and it, it's all true. I I could I could tell you something. What are my options. I could tell you something that would be like, would sound like nuclear Breitbart, but it would be true. Okay. But it's not, there's more truth to it than that. And, all right. So here's, 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 here's the dirty part. Here's the dirty part about Frederick Douglass that no right. one, that no one except historians talk about. They keep this shit a secret. <laughs> um, but this is true of every single abolitionist, including Harriet Tubman, black, sorry, black abolitionist, mm -hmm. every, every, every single one. All right. Mm -hmm. who have written like who have memoirs right diaries uh they didn't write a damn word of those books and they were written every one of them was written by white abolitionists so and why and they were all totally exaggerated uh because white abolitionists like they were writing propaganda like they wanted the united states to go to war against the south like in a big way they needed a and most white people didn't give a shit because it was like about black people in the South. So they didn't care in the North. Mm -hmm. So they had to write this like almost pornographic depiction of slavery. Like, mm -hmm. so if you look at Frederick Douglass's autobiography, it's, it's, it's bullshit. I mean, it's actually, it's made up. It's made up. It's completely exact. Not that there were no whippings or rapes. Right. But if you go read that book, it looks like it's like a it's like a Django Unchained. It's like that, you know, it's just like nonstop whipping and beating and like torture and like as if slavery was intended to harm. The purpose of slavery was intended to harm people, black mm. people. Mm. It's the stupidest idea, right? That's mm. the stupidest assumption that people have about it still to this day. Mm. Like. The white, oh, here's, here's the white man thinking, oh, you know what? Let's get in, let's make some boats 
sail across the ocean, kidnap a whole bunch of people way far away who we hate, who we hate, yeah. bring them back on the ships to make them live with us, yeah. with us, next, right next door to our wives and daughters yeah. forever yeah. For, the, for, the, for their entire lives so yeah. that we can torture them and, and hurt them and, and kill them. Yeah. No, it was to, to get the fucking cotton picked. Yeah. Like that was the point of slavery, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's so like so 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 abolitionists were using yeah. they using black abolitionists as mouthpieces, kind of like uh kind of like how, yeah. how how they use the black political class today, whether it's on the left or right. And it's like, you know, here are the talking points. It, exactly. It, and it, and as long exactly. as you stick to the talk as long as you stick to the talking points, we'll keep pushing you. It, it's exactly the same. Now, the thing is, of course, we're opposed to slavery, right? So it's right. not like, so this is propaganda like against slavery. So it's not like it was, you know, the worst thing in the world. But right. in the in a way, it also was the worst thing in the world at the same time, right? Because it's like, all right, here's the deal. Here's, this is from the abolition of white abolitionists. Here's the deal. We're going to, we're going to free you people from slavery, but we're going to write literally the text. Mm. Mm. of that of mm. that moment mm. we are literally writing the writing the text of what happened we are writing your history mm. literally literally mm. we are going to write the autobiography of frederick Douglass. we're going to write the we are going to write the autobiography of harriet tubman okay but we're going to put it's all right because we're going to get let you free though and we're going to protect you from the crackers uh. we will they did they put the Ku Klux Klan in prison for real. Mm. They crushed mm. the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. Um, so, uh, but that was the deal, man. And so the oh. white abolitionists, became, they were absolutely, you nailed it. They were totally the like uh, ancestors of today's racial liberals. Mm. It's mm. all paternalism. It's just paternalism from beginning to end. It's the same, it's the same basic paternalistic dynamic. Right, right. You right. are weak. You all, you are vulnerable. It's our fault, uh, and we feel bad about it. And therefore, we're going to make it up to you by treating you better now, and taking care of you, and giving you what you didn't get when you were children. Right. <laughs> Except you're still children. <laughs> <laughs> you're still children, exactly. Because, 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 well, yeah, because we're going to have to keep giving you the money because because you people are so pathetic. You can't get it together to fucking make yourselves make any money. So we, you know, we're going to have to. And it's but they won't put it that way. They're going to be like whites because white supremacy is eternal. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to keep that's right. I got to be. That's, your daddy. That's, that's the Ta-Nehisi Coates arg argument is because white supremacy, white supremacy is eternal. Right. That's his whole argument. That's the that's the whole, you know, this is the whole argument now, like. It's it's this like it's a spiritual thing. It's like it's like a ghost that floats above history. Mm. Like it's insane. It's like it's mm. like it's a it's voodoo, man. It's like a belief yeah. in some weird god, you know. <laughs> it like just comes down and strikes whenever it wants to, as if people aren't inventing it and reinventing it all the time. Of course, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, thank you for the uh, five dollar super chat. Uh, Landry Harmon, he said, I would love for you guys to discuss what that and Michael Malice talk about in regards to societal reaction uh, to homosexuality and male bonding. Oh, Jesus. Trying to start some shit already. 
what, did, what did you say? Would you say? Well, Mike, shout out to Michael Mouse, by the way, one of the first people to put me in a studio interview. But what, um, what, what, what are you talking about? Your favorite, your favorite subject: homosexual <laughs> homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um. What? Let's see. Wait. Um. I'm trying to remember what he what says. Was the, what was the point? reaction to homosexuality and male bonding. Uh. God damn. I, you know, it was Malice's argument actually more than mine. I, and I honestly, I, I, I don't really want to repeat it because I, I want I wouldn't do it justice. Right. But he was basically making an argument, I think, in defense. I know he was making an, an argument in defense of like us. We should we should all defend homosexuality because it like clearly delineates who's who. Mm. Right. Like mm. displays a homosexuality. Right. Mm -hmm. um, instead of saying faggot, we should be like, yeah, faggot, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. yes, you know, like good, good, good. Yes. You're faggots and we're not. And right. And faggot is, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And blah, 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 you know, um, and therefore there's no ambiguity and therefore less fear of the gays. Right. Mm -hmm. and, et cetera. I mean, I think that's malice's argument, but mm -hmm. you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But, Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. There's more um, to it than that, but yeah. So let's let's let, I want to talk about the suits again, right? So the evolution of suits. So we oh, go yeah. from zoot suits, right? Yeah. And then after zoot yeah. suits, we start seeing like gangsters adopt the suit, right? And then we see black gangsters adopt the suit, like yeah. Bubby Johnson and Frank right. Lucas and so on and so forth. Uh, is, uh, yeah, they like uh, mm -hmm. getting away from the zoot suit and going to like a more professional look to kind of hide from police and law enforcement, or what's happening? That's there? took it right. Yeah, thank you. That was that's an awesome question. But yeah, that and that brings me back to what I was going to say to you. So, what was I going to? You, you had something negative a long time ago to say about the suit thing, but I was going to say, oh, I know what it was, right? Because you you rejected it. You rejected the basic business suit for Afrocentric clothing, basically, right? Garb, yeah, whatever. Right. And I'm and and again, like, no, this is not at all a criticism, but like, it's not like black. And I was about to say, it's not like black people just took that suit and just like kept it the way it was and like right. wore it, right? The zoot suit, my point about the zoot suit was that they completely like remade the suit and they made it in this way that like celebrated the body, mm. Mm. you know? It didn't mm. hide the body. Mm. It said, yeah, I am beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am beautiful. Remember the phrase black is beautiful back in the mm. 1960s? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot better than black lives matter, please, <laughs> please. Please, please, please help me. <laughs> don't, don't you know that we matter too? We're fucking like we're fucking kindergartners. No, man. Black power and black is beautiful. And if you don't like it, go the fuck. We don't give a fuck. That's yeah, yeah. That, that should have been an attitude. Yeah, <laughs> it's simple. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah. So so my point was like so like Robin. And by the way, Robin Kelly. This is the man. Okay. Uh, he's a historian. He's a communist, unfortunately, but. He early on, his early work was a lot about this stuff. And he was like a big inspiration for me. He's a he's a historian at UCLA, uh, Robin D.G. Kelly. Um, he's like one of the most important, like African-American historians. But he wrote about the zoot suit and he was like he, he, he made this argument. He was like, no, it was like countercultural in all the best ways. You know, mm -hmm. it was like it was like not only, and it wasn't just resistance. It was also like pleasure. It was like, why do white people love black culture so much? Because mm -hmm. it sucks and it's boring? No, because it's like, because it's where the fun is in this fucking country, you know? Yeah. It always has been. Um, so with the suit, 
they like exaggerated it and made it into a show and a performance and a celebration of the self and the individual. And by the way, if you're a libertarian or have libertarian sympathies, right? Like this is individualism, right? Mm. Each one made it, made it their own thing. And it was all about like loud colors. It was all about me, not the nation, not, mm. not the United States nation, right? right. It, was about, it was about me and the not, you know, fuck the, how, you know, the dress code of the United States and fuck the military and fuck the war and all that, you know, I mean, it's, and it's about dancing. It's about, and that's what they were really into was dancing. There's that great scene in Malcolm X and Spike Lee's movie where it's yeah. a great scene. Everybody said that's a great scene of they're all in zoot suits and they're all on the dance floor. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Feather in the hat and the oh my God. hat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah How you? Yeah. Best. When I was a kid, I wanted one. Right. Um, so then, yeah. So when did they clean that up? Like, uh, Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So like, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, so the zoot suit, Oh, the great thing about the zoot suit, and there's a whole book about this. Guess what happens to the zoot suit? Uh, it go, there, there's like newspaper reports from Hungary in 1946 about oh. like kids in Hungary, like wearing zoot suits on the street. What? In the Eastern Bloc? Are you kidding me? Like, like communism under communism? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And in Moscow, like they were, they were putting kids in prison. Because there were so many people wearing zoot suits. There were Russian kids wearing zoot suits. In the Soviet Union, under communism. Uh. Czechoslovakia, same thing. They all had their own name, their own names for it, right? Based on this, right. the, the language. Right. But then it was then it was in Italy and in Spain and in London and in mm. Paris and in and in Tokyo and in Shanghai and mm. definitely in Manila. Mm. <laughs> uh. Right? Yeah. And all over the world, there were news reports of people wearing the zoot, of kids, young men wearing zoot suits uh, and dressing, sounding, dancing, talking like black Americans. Mm, mm, mm. And you want to talk about like, so there's American imperialism, right? Which is, you know, we will impose our way of life on others at the point of a gun. If you don't, you know, do what we say and act the way we want you to act. Right we drop nuclear bombs on your cities right. <laughs> essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Japanese can tell you all about that. Right. Um, <laughs> that's why the Japanese sound exactly like me today <laughs> in the, in this country. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, I forgot where I was there. You say, oh, it's zoots, right. All, and then you say you're spreading all around the world, kids, communism, all of it. Yeah, so it's spread all over the world. Oh, 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 imperialism, right? So there's their forcing of there's forcing of our way of life, like a culture, like and that was always like American formal culture, like English language, not street language, of course, right? And like the business suit, the old business suit, the traditional business suit, and this mm -hmm. so you know, like the Filipinos were all taught that when they were colonized by the United States, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um but it it uh it uh comes back here and and uh it's the, I'm losing my train of thought again. Sorry. Like the zoots are like, the point is that like um, African Americans are violating the norms. And then that's what turns on. I'm getting it now. This is a different, it's not imperialism, but it's like the culture spreads out like organically. Mm -hmm. There's something so deeply attractive about that. The freedom that that represents about mm -hmm. like exaggerating your shoulder pads when there's a, when there's a dress code, you know, a fabric code, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that becomes international, global black culture starts spreading out in all, in all these other countries, even behind the iron curtain. Mm. 
It's incredible, mm. right? I mean, mm. everywhere, like in Asia, right? How's and, it spreading? I guess through newspaper media. Yeah. So yeah. So this is in the 1940s. So yeah, there's newspapers all over the world. There's also uh, newsreels. There's movies. There's television starting, but there's newsreels mostly. So a okay. lot of newsreels and, and movies. And there's zoot suits in movies by that point. So yeah. Mm. And jazz is the is the music. Jazz right. is the music. And black performers are like all moving to Europe and Japan to play. Uh, mm. So black. There's like this amazing thing. This is the book I'm working on now which is that you have like American imperialism marching around the globe, blowing people up and taking over countries and invading and occupying and blah, 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 blah. At the very same time, you have American pop culture, most of which, not all of which, but definitely most of which is like driven by black fucking slave culture, plantation culture, right? Mm. Basically, what I've been, which mm. what I've been talking about. That's taking over the world from below mm. and doing exactly the opposite. It's liberating people. Mm. So imagine like, imagine you are a Stalinist communist dictator, right? In 1950, whatever, right? Who's your worst enemy, right? The general in the fucking Marine Corps or Chuck Berry? <laughs> look, what, look what Chuck Berry did to white women in the deep south in the 1950s. He mm. had sex with a whole bunch of them. Yeah, he did. And not because he raped them. Because yeah. they wanted to have sex with him. They they yeah. they 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 like besieged him after every show. Yeah. Right? Look what in, in Jim Crow, Alabama, a black man did this and and was proud of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Who took excuse me, who took let me ask again, who took down segregation? Was it like John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Baines Johnson who signed those bills? I'm sorry. Was I'm not even sure it was Martin Luther King. I am damn sure it was Chuck Berry. Mm. As a matter mm. of fact, mm. Mm. oh yes, they were very ready for integration by the time Chuck Berry got done with their daughters. Right, you right, you right. I mean, you know, so, and that's been, and my point is, this is now a globe has been a global thing. Mm. Once you get that black culture out there, that slave culture, which is not identified with any nation state, it's also anarchistic, mm -hmm. right? In that essence, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's no state in there. There's no nation right. in there. You can make right. a black nation like you might do, but you know what I mean? Like there's no, yeah. even then, even though it's not, it's, there's no state even in the right. nation, right? Right. Which is why you guys don't scare me at all. But like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, think about, and then that I'm just in the 1940s, right? What's gone on with black culture globally since then? Like, where is it today? Look, go look at the top 40. I, I, don't, I just pick a country, yeah. pick a fucking Pakistan. I guarantee you, there's hip hop on that list. Yeah. yeah or, and, and, or like, this is really common, like Pakistani performers who are like hybrids of like, they like, they like look and sound kind of like Beyonce. And they definitely watched a lot of Beyonce, but they sing in Arabic. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's very, very common across the Middle East. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in that, isn't that amazing? There is a, there's like a black global, I don't even know what you would call it, like counter imperial, counter empire, counter empire. Yeah, yeah. Because every because all these regimes hate that shit. They all mm. ban it. The Nazis mm. banned it. Soviet Union banned jazz. Um, did you know Japan banned it in the 1930s? China did the communist banned it. The nationalists banned it. Um, hell yeah! I mean, it's never been liked. 
Mm. It's all the middle. Oh, the mullahs in the Middle East. What do you think they think about Beyonce? Right? Mm -hmm. Like they what they issue fatwas like all of it. <laughs> See, this this is a challenge to your traditional conservatism, though. Your hotel. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, well, not mine. You know, I'm I'm very very flexible. Right. Uh, Ryan right. Mason, uh, four ninety nine super chat said, uh, "What has been the cause decline in suit wearing, especially in the workplace, over the past thirty years? Startup culture? Yeah, I think it's definitely startup culture." What is that though? You know what? That's actually a good question like to talk with you about cuz that's about masculinity too. Uh, right? Yeah, I think so cuz Camille Paglia, I don't I haven't really read her, but I've heard her say this. Um she's she, or maybe I've seen her write like a little thing about this how it disturbs her that like men now dress like boys. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah, and, I, yeah, and it yeah. kind of when I when I read that, I was like, "Oh shit!" I looked at myself. I was like, "Yep, I'm wearing t-shirts and shorts." Like, what? Mm. I'm a grown fucking man. Um, you know, there is something going on there, and this is like across colors and class and all that. Like, you know, everyone is like dressing down, but especially men, right? Like, we dress like, and we dress increasingly like children. I think, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm talking for myself too. I'm not, you know, but do you do you notice? I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I think that there was probably uh, some some sort of ign 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 ignition, you know, somebody ignited that like one corporation probably did it. I know I want to say it was Zappos was one big corporation that like really changed the culture of the corporation. Like we're dropping suits. Nobody just professional wear what you want. You don't want to care. And they had a really, really good culture. So I think that maybe, you know, um, people started thinking about like turnover rates in, in a job situation and. You know, mm -hmm. how do you keep people there longer and happier? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think startup culture realized how hard it was to get people to work at a discount right, or work for sweat equity. And it's like you can't ask somebody to work for sweat equity and tell them to dress up at the same time. Right. And I think that startup culture started to be adopted by other people um, or by other corporations who right. said, hey, you know, we're not doing that here. But I think it has to do with. Um, keeping happy employees. I think it's an inevitable, inevitable thing though. Do you have like, so, all right. So again, I'm curious to what your take is on this. <laughs> Not that I, I know you're interviewing me, but uh, like uh, <laughs> for me, like I have, I have like mixed feelings about all that stuff about like the merger of work and, and leisure, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that the tech kind of pioneered that you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you go into like tech, I've been in a couple of offices here in San Francisco, like tech offices. And yeah, it's like a bunch of like, it's exactly what you imagine is a bunch of like young, mostly white skinny kids, like, like playing on toys and then, and then, and then coding, Yeah, like, you know, yeah. but there's a bunch of like play and a lot of like kind of living there. And you can just see like, everybody's like eating and like lounging on the sofas. And it yeah. looks like people probably slept there overnight. Yeah. And I'm sure they basically probably do just live there and are always there. And now, okay. So on the one hand, obviously like you and I do work that we love, right? right. We are like the point, whatever, zero, zero, one percent of people who get to do that. Right. 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 Um, which is great for us, but at the same time, and that's what we're getting at. Like they love their work. That's why they're there all the time. Right. right. So right. I, I understand, I get that. I get that. That is my life now. In fact, like it's all like merged. Yeah. No, it's like all blurred. Right. And even like my friends are like also like kind of, kind of like and somehow involved in the business in some way or another. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it's a curse too, right? It's like a blessing. It's a beautiful blessing that we have this freedom and we're doing what we want to do and we're creative and we're getting paid for it and all that. But like, 
it's also a damn curse, right? Because it never leaves you. When you're the boss, heavy heavy lies the the head, right? What do With you mean cat. it never leaves you? What what never leaves you? The the stress, the worry, the concern. Like you're always thinking about yeah. the business, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's Aren't why. You? That's why. That's why. That's why the white man created PS4. I should say the Japanese man. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It's just to distract you. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I have a a, a hard time, um, like leaving those thoughts. Right. Right. So that's what it. you know. Ghost of Tsushima's for. Right. I get to slice some people up, and that's my escape. And I can't even moment, do it. I, yeah. Even, I can't even watch a movie like by myself. I have a hard time with that it's, too. Right? It's gotten really bad. Like I can only do it like just to do it with my girlfriend or with my son, you know, just like as a family man. But yeah. by myself, I can't watch a whole movie. I could never watch a movie by myself. I feel like I have to go do something. I have to go work. Yeah. You know, like go. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I don't got two good. hours to sit here and watch this shit. <laughs> two hours? Are you crazy? To watch you know what I'm like do with two fiction? hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but that's terrible, right? Yeah. That's terrible. Like if it if it's not like somehow improving myself or my relationships or my business, I would I don't do it now. That's how busy. That's how bad it is. When you're a businessman, you know, yeah. like I don't do shit. It's just for fun. All right, Nothing. so I'm not crazy. So somebody else is going through this shit too. No, man, I don't do anything. That's not like the only thing. Nothing. Something. But the great thing is though that you and I could, but we get to do work that's also fun. Like right now. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. right now, this is yeah. fun, but it's still work. Right. You know, I mean, right. so, I mean, I don't know. And so that's, we kind of are living the life of a tech person. We'd like, we have, there is no, there's no, for us, there's no line between life and work. Right. That's true. And I don't know how I feel about that. It almost sounds like communism. You feel me? Uh, uh, right. Cause uh. that's how, that's where they wanted to get us. Mm. So I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about that. I'm a little mm. nervous about that. That's interesting. I'm going to have to I'm let that sit on my mind. And I'm not saying I know. I'm just thinking aloud here with you. Like, I don't right, know. Right. I'm think, right. I don't know. Makes me nervous, though. Hmm. That, that, that like, the, like, you know, you go to a tech company here. Like, that's not too far away from what communists would kind of like to see. You know, mm. it's just with public ownership. But, like, everybody, like, work and life are all merged and everybody's all together in the same place, working and living all the time together. Hmm. That's not me. Mm, That's mm. not. I'm, I don't know about that. Well, well, <laughs> that reminds me of your book, right? Where you exactly. talk about like the the standard of living difference between a slave and you know a rank and file white man, right? And yep. And uh, amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, so I want to kind of like draw the correlation between that and like this work thing, right? Mm -hmm. So. How do you keep your slaves from running away? You make things more comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Like beating them right. has the opposite effect, right? Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's kind of like what's happening now. It's like right. slave master, like, how do I keep y'all on the plantation longer? Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, well, here's, I mean, this is how stupid the whole system was. And this is like one of the things that like Northerners said about it. It's like, you dumb motherfucking crackers, listen to me. You, when you force people to work, how well do you think they're gonna work? Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean, okay, so they don't work well. Okay, so you whip them. Okay, you think that's gonna make them work better over the long run? Maybe, yes, for sure, for a little while, right? 
to keep the to keep the whip cracker that's where that word comes from right to keep the whip cracker off of them right but okay then he then this you think the slave's gonna slack off at some point in the rest of his life of course he is probably in the next like week or two in fact as soon as the cracker like you know turns his back for too long or goes and takes a break right okay they find out all right now what are you gonna do you can whip that slave again yeah and then how much labor do you think you're going to get out of that slave? All right, right. Just how stupid do you think these black people are? My goodness gracious. <laughs> like, <they're> like <laughs> let's see. I don't own shit. I have zero rights. I am chattel. I am basically, I have the status of an animal. Uh, I was, my people were kidnapped and brought here, blah, blah, you know, and, um, and uh the only reason to work hard at all or well at all is just to keep this fucking dude from whipping me in the back with a leather cowhide like Mm -hmm. um no i'm gonna do just enough to not get whipped and not one fucking bit more right of course right because these were rational human beings right these were rational human beings what kind of fool would work any more than that (laughs) no one is that stupid yeah yeah, right so that's what happened so yes yes and indeed they were shiftless Mm. yes they were shiftless Mm. and damn straight and they are national heroes for it Mm. 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 national heroes Mm. for Mm. that Mm. not for being slaves but for saying fuck you and your whole nation right not not i mean hoeing hoeing this row for your cotton fuck that's just the beginning right fuck the whole thing so that when you come to us and ask us to fight in your wars we're gonna have a draft resistance rate of about 30 to 50 percent in world war one two korea Mm -hmm. vietnam Mm -hmm. black men were like whose war is this exactly (laughs) are you crazy Right. You seriously think I'm gonna get motivated to go fight in a war for you people? Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens after slavery? A lot of them decide to say, you know what? Nah, this shit was better at Master's house. I'm going back to the plantation. It's it was that was the you know what that was? That was the beginning of the civil war that Chris Rock talked about. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's that's it's basic, and it's not changed in in the basic dynamic since then. Since slavery has been the black political class has been yelling its ass off at black people to pull up their pants for a hundred and whatever it is 70 years now like it's Mm -hmm. this exact same shit and then a whole bunch of the rest of the african-american population doesn't pull up its pants Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it continues like Mm -hmm. i mean what did barack obama what does barack what does barack obama say every single time every single time he is in front of a black audience. I don't think there's ever been a time he's been in front of a black audience when he didn't start ranting and raving about how shiftless and sexual and and late and lazy and all they right. That's when he starts giving his Martin Luther King right. We got a we got a shape up speech. He is the most patronizing. If you've not noticed, like he and Michelle too, whenever they get in front of a black audience, they turn into that. And I'm like. You're from Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even see another black person until <laughs> you were like until you were in like college. <laughs> do you know about do you know about Obama's parents? You're gonna love this. You know about Obama's parents? 
mama is a Caucasian woman. His daddy um, was an African. Uh, I believe they split up. Um, and uh, you're gonna love this. What's what's that? You're gonna love this. That's all correct. So his dad was yeah, his dad was Kenyan, right? Uh, his mom was a white woman. Uh, so they were both academics, but they both worked. So her his mother worked for the Ford Foundation. Okay. Doing doing development work in Indonesia, training Indonesian businessmen American practices. Mm. Okay. Mm, including okay. including American culture. Okay. okay. All right. Hold just hold on there. All right. Barack Obama Sr., Barack Obama's dad, uh, was a member of a political party in Kenya that was sympathetic and aligned with the United States of America. Mm. Okay. All right. Now, we also know that the Ford Foundation was completely funded and directed by the CIA. Mm. Uh-oh. Here we go. Saying them hot button keywords on my channel. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I told you. We also know. We also know that the political party that Barack Obama Sr. worked for his entire career was aligned with, was directed by the CIA. Okay. I'm not done. All right. I'm following. The, 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 school, the school at which Barack Obama's parents met and copulated and had him. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's called the East-West Center at the University of Hawaii. Okay. It was established by the CIA. Oh, boy. Here we go. You can look all this up. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article about it for Reason Magazine. I, it was I, not... It was nom- it was nominated for a, a journalism award. I am not I am not a crackpot. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so, I remember you're, you're so, jogging my memory now. Keep going. <laughs> Barack Obama is the son of the CIA. Uh, done. I'm done. Uh, uh, uh. Do you think they, they were <laughs> put together to Fuck. you know, put together to to create that new world order leader? Think about that. When I, when I, and I didn't know that until I had to write, they, I got assigned to write a review of these biographies of his mother. Yeah. And I read, I was reading him and like the, I, they didn't say this stuff in the biographies, but I can, I pieced it together. I was like, wait a minute. He was born here and there was then, then I was like, and then I found out, oh yeah, it was all CIA. That dude came from an entirely CIA and no black people were anywhere near him. So, so is, is he, is he a test tube baby? Is he, is he, no. was he, was he? I, Okay. Or, or was there organic? Was their relationship together organic, or was it bred? Were I don't know. Bred? No one knows. But no, I don't think it was a conspiracy. Like it's, mm. it's. You don't. Here's the thing, man. You don't need a conspiracy when you control that much of the culture. Conspiracies right? are already the, in place. You, you're gonna get. I mean, if you're doing a lot of rate. Okay. If you're doing a lot of racial engineering, like we talked about with me, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and so the Obama uh, coupling, the his parents, that was like the dr- racial liberal dream, right? Right. That's the dream. You have a black and a white create an Obama, right? Uh, who's like the perfect citizen. Uh, and so you're eventually, if you do that, if you if you mix all those children together via whatever means, busing or otherwise, you know, and you keep telling them being like, you know, being a good upstanding citizen who obeys the laws and speaks English correctly and tells black people to t- pull up their pants, yeah. <laughs> et cetera, you know, and, and, uh, and, and most importantly, 
doesn't fuck with the American empire. Mm. Mm. Keep -hmm. your little hands off that empire, boy. Mm -hmm. Keep your little hands off that empire, boy. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's what the general said to him. Probably mm. in those, probably in those words on mm-hmm. day one. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that, and they said it to Trump too. And Trump was like, mostly like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, get that, you get that talk when you walk in that in that yeah. office. The generals were like, you were, you've been talking a lot of shit, yeah. Mr. Trump. Let me tell yeah. you something. But uh, I, I mean, Obama didn't need that talk. Right. He didn't need that. My mm-hmm. my point is, he didn't need that talk. He was ready to go. He was CIA. Yeah, he he knew he knew what was going on. He was he was yeah. bred from the start. Um, so let me run my theory, Passion. You can tell me to think about it, right? The reason for um, the forced integration, right? And mm-hmm. I, you know, to explain it succinctly, I think it's uh, forcing homogeneity, homogeneity, homo- mm-hmm. creating homogeneous society, right? And I mm-hmm. think that the point to make the culture homogeneous is to make people easier to control because then you only have to infect one culture instead of many different cultures, right? So for yes. example, when we look at like the Indian people that move in by me, like they're getting Americanized, but they're still keeping their culture, right? And they still have their way of life and the things yeah. the way they do things, right? And you're 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 not, you're gonna have a really hard time trying to infiltrate that culture, right? But these mm-hmm. black and these white folks have mm-hmm. so much culturally in common already that the more we blend in together, the more we can create a hive mind. Right. Yep. And, and as long as yep. we can create that hive mind, like, for example, like people say there's a right and a left. And really now it's just one whole fighting itself. Right. It's like uh, an autoimmune disease, but everybody's still having the same exact conversation. So you're, you're, you are of the same thing. You just have different opinions about the same things. But the issues you're talking about, most of them are irrelevant. <laughs> right? So you're of the same stock. And one. I think that that is that's my theory on the top. What do you think about that? I think that's 100%. And I got a whole stack of receipts for you too, to back it up. I mean, where do you even, I mean, yes. Where do you even begin with that? Like, so like, it's like, there's so much to back that up. I mean, that is the history of cultural imperialism. That's Mm -hmm. with real, with military imperialism, backing it up. I'm talking about real shit, not, you know. So, you know, when the Europeans go to go to Africa and, and Latin America, what do they do? They, they're like, okay, here's your church. Here's your religion. Here's your language. Uh, and oh, by the way, you work for us as slaves until we tell you otherwise. (laughs) Right. And oh, and here's your set of laws and here's your constitution and here's your president and da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I seen. A, I saw, I saw a, a, a African man, an African judge with the European wig on his head, and that shit was just eye opening for me. I'm like, yo, y'all niggas are still colonized. Wow, wow. wow. Yeah, that's right. That's like, you know, Franz Fanon's colonization of the mind theory, right? Okay. We, that we talked about, right? Like with the white wig, right on the head, on the black head, like that, yeah. like we symbolize it so perfectly. Right? Can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> the George Washington wig on like a West African's head? Yeah, like, come on, yeah. <laughs> a West African's head too. Like, can you imagine? Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, damn it, where was I again? Keep. keep I mean, it was so much we're trying to unpack on, you know, yeah, the integration and creating that homogenous society, right? And oh, yeah. So control, hive mind, hive mind. Yeah. So imperialism. Yeah. So it was always about that. It was always about um, not just expansion and conquest. Well, the Romans did it. Mm. I mean, they invented it. They invented the whole thing. And Julius Caesar was straight up about it. He was like, we're going to conquer all of Gaul, which is basically all of what is now Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Western Europe. 
and uh, and we're gonna like make them all fucking Roman. And he did, like mm. pretty much, like you know they the Roman law, Roman roads, Roman customs, Roman everything, right? Mm-hmm. To all the way to you and me, like we we you and I like have Roman culture inside of us, right? right. Um, as far away as we are from that, right? right. Um, so yeah, and that was in part to control. Your point. This is your point. Exactly. Right. Of course. Right. Because right. the Gaul, because because Europe until that point was what a bunch of savages. Mm. It was a bunch of different, a different savages. <laughs> that was the problem. A bunch of different savage tribes. Right. You know. Right. right. Um, speaking of like, we were Kangs, right? Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't white people who were Kangs. <laughs> <laughs> like Germanic tribes and all of that. We were cavemen. We were not Kangs. <laughs> <laughs> You about to hurt somebody feelings in the chat. <laughs> my 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 people, the Celts. Oh goodness! I mean, we were like the worst people ever. We were like just like an inch above ape. Like really? The oh, the Celts in Wales and Ireland. Yeah, original oh, Irish, right? Yeah, we're the ones like we were the yeah we were the absolute n words of Europe. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. Oh good. Oh yeah. No. Um. And there's good evidence, like in some ways there there was some like boat that came from somewhere else to get them there. But like the Celts were badasses and, and and treated that way too. Yeah, yeah. Until like until like a hundred years ago, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> Not right. long ago, you know. Right. Right around the corner history. So yeah, yeah, but no, no, this this high yes, the cultural imperialism, right? Um mm. So okay, the, take it to the United States, right? So after this after the Civil War, if you read my book, I do a whole thing on this, Reconstruction. Federal government, Freedmen's Bureau schools, 2,000 schools across the South. Thousands of ex-slaves go through those schools. They teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's great. But they also teach them, guess what else? What? You know, I told you. Well, here's how you, here's how you speak. You don't use that slave dialect anymore, Hotep Jesus. You got co- time to code switch, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, if you and if you don't, but the thing was, it wasn't funny, though. If you don't code switch, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw you back to the crackers who have now organized mm-hmm. the Ku Klux Klan and will lynch you. So you better speak our English correctly. You better dress in the business suit. This was mm-hmm. when black people first got a hold of the business suit. Mm. You be- None of this slave dancing. Uh-uh. No, no, no. We don't dance in the- except the waltz. Right. You know why the waltz was popular in the United States for white Americans? Because you dance in, what's, in what pattern? A square. Mm. with stiff mm. elbow with stiff joints yeah west african dance is just the opposite right and there's a whole there's a whole like body of scholarship about west african dance and like the bent elbows and knees being really part and how that would just like work to get exactly against like the puritanical white american culture mm-hmm. and then so it wasn't just slave culture it was a mix by the way i gotta say this it wasn't just slave culture it was slave plus the west african culture that created what i'm talking about here Mm, America's mm. original renegades. Right, right. The, re- right. the reason that so many white people have wanted to be black in their lives. This is what <laughs> this is what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at. It's that yeah. com- it's that combination of like when you're a slave, you have no responsibility for the nation, right? Think about that. You don't give a fuck about the United States. You have no sense of responsibility. We were talking about what it's like to be a business owner and the responsibility that haunts us all the time. Right. Or being a parent, right? You and I are both parents, right? That never leaves you. Right. So imagine having the United States as like your child as well. Right. That's what a lot of white Americans did and some blacks, too. 
who volunteered volunteered to fight in these wars, et cetera. Yeah. Right. But it would, that's the whole thing is that the bl black consciousness, so much of the black consciousness as Franz Fanon was talking about was like decoupled from the white man and from, and from the United States and everything that it expected. Mm, mm, Where, mm. Whereas white people just assumed that it was all right and good and correct. And so whenever we see a badge and a gun, we feel good and we feel like until they shoot us too, which they do, right. Right. <laughs> which they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you are on the other side of the Puritan. Me, I'm reading your book, and I'm like, "Let's go, Puritans! Clean these motherfuckers up!" I know. <laughs> I know. It's funny. I know. <laughs> so, so let's let's kind of like dive into that a little bit, and you know, debate a little bit. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, yesterday, uh, Cardi B and uh, oh my god, Matt I wanted. Stallion. I couldn't wait to talk about this video. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about it? Right, it's perfect. Dude. All right. Oh, oh my God! It's all—it's all I could think. It's all I could think about all day after I saw it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. I could not—I couldn't get it out of my mind for hours. <laughs> you know, that, the video is for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's called WAP. W A P stands for What Ass. Highly recommend. Um, Daddy's ass loves it. <laughs> um, the man, the 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 animalistic male in me loves it. But the Puritan in me goes, you damn right. devils, you demons. Yep. Right? Yep. So so how is this not dangerous for the <laughs> of people? How is this not dangerous, Dad? How how is it not Cardi B and Megan, how are they doing? I mean, well, Megan got shot in the foot, but besides that. <laughs> 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 but she's okay. <laughs> she, yeah, she's, she's back to dancing. Oh, damn it. All right. Yes. No. I, all right. All right. Look, okay. I actually, I said this on somebody's podcast just recently. I forget whose. Might have been Malice's actually. I don't know. Um, all right. Here's the deal with black culture. You ready to hear yeah. about black culture? Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's do it. We're about to battle. You ready to Come learn on. about black culture? Yeah. Jesus. I'm about to teach yeah. you about black culture. Okay. What I've laid on me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you'll agree with, I think you'll agree with this. I, I think this is like commonsensical. Like when, when I laid this out to killer Mike, he was like, yeah, no shit. We've been saying this for years. Mm. Um, it's a package deal, right? So the, uh, the what I'm calling slave, the slave lineage culture, right? The non-political class people, not the bougie people. I'm talking about just regular working class people. Okay. It's a package deal. So like, it's the best of America in there without a doubt. And, and by the way, that's like almost a unanimous opinion. Like there are very few Americans left who think that like America without any black contributions, you know, would be fun. Right. I mean, like, even like pretty square Americans now are like, thank God for those Negroes because we got the rock and roll out of them, you know, whatever, something, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you speak uh, point about Killer Mike. So, so <laughs> it's, so it's, so it's the freedom to, the freedom of the body. Okay. The freedom from the Puritan work ethic. Yeah. Great things. Gave right. us gave us jazz, gave us rock and roll, gave us hip hop, gave us all the good stuff. Gave yeah. us slang, gave yeah. us the American vernacular, right? Yeah. But you know what else it gave us? Lawlessness. 
right right so because because the no it wasn't just the norms that didn't apply it was also the laws right, right. or the norms more importantly that backed up the laws right so why is it why is it that like black people are so disproportionately represented in the drug trade now right because because i'm saying that historically they didn't give a fuck about the norms of the country and one of the norms was that drugs are bad mm, mm, right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so if you're excluding a like that's why the Jews and Italians dominated the illegal alcohol trade in the 1920s. Same thing. Cause they were excluded at that point. Right. They were kept out. So they're like, we don't care. We're going to sell booze to whoever. Right? right. That's why the mafia inv invested in gay clubs, gay nightclubs. Right. right? right. Cause they didn't give a sh which is weird. Cause you think of the mafia is like super macho, but like, no, they don't, I don't give a fuck. It's a profit. It's money. It's green. Yeah. Don't care, right. Right. So, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so the mafia also, was full of stone cold killers. Right. Right. The blues music, right. Which was the first kind of like popular descent that, well, there was like ragtime and then blues, but like the first like lyrical music that came out of slave culture, like in the turn of the 20th century, <laughs> people have this image of like the old black man, like with a guitar or a banjo sitting on his porch, like singing about how sad he is. Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this, right? The popular image, right? Oh, how sad I am. And the blues all about how hard it is to be. And my daddy was a slave and I was a slave and how sad it is to be. But no, it was gangster rap. It was like, no, like the, I fucked that bitch and then she fucked my friend and then I killed that bitch. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's nasty. Okay. It's nasty. Uh, yeah, no, it's very violent and very what we would call misogynistic now. We didn't call it that then. There's, and by the way, there's scholarly articles written about this. Mary Beth Hamilton is the scholar who's done this. This is not, I'm not making shit up here, but yeah. So like Robert Johnson, if you go look at like these famous blues dudes, all that, all those guys, it's nasty stuff. By the way, there's a lot of homosexuality in the early, early blues too. You know about that? No. A lot of homosexual, a lot of homosexual references in the early blues music. Yeah. Uh. So like, and I'm talking about the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, right? So you have like basically that kind of what we would call gangster rap mentality, right? is a part but blues is also like everything that's great about america at the same damn time uh -huh. like and great about america and black culture at the same damn time right like hip-hop it's the same thing right hip-hop like a world with it without hip-hop imagine it's hard to yeah it's hard to imagine a world without because not just the music discreetly but like its influences in all other forms of music Right, right. Oh my right. God, like what genre hasn't been that hasn't had some hip hop like version of it? Like mm -hmm. every I, I, opera has, every country music has, everything. Right, right, right. Um, but Broadway, <laughs> but hip hop. So hip hop is wonderful and liberatory and makes and has made the world dance and has integrated people voluntarily, like brought black beautifully. Right, that's beautiful. Like black and white voluntary integration around yeah. like a love of a music, around desire, around pleasure. You know, right. Um, but at the same time, like hip hop comes out of like the mouth. It was invented by criminals. I mean, mm -hmm. like sorry, but like the dudes in the South Bronx. They were also doing some really bad shit. I mean, so it's, you know, like the mafia sold booze when it was illegal. Great. Funded gay bars when it was illegal, basically. We think it's great. You know, they they gave people jobs. They gave people money. They helped widows. They gave people medical care. Right. But then they would 
put a cap in you like with no problem. Right. We know this, right? So like, but that, but it wasn't like you could disaggregate that. So it wasn't like there was mm. a nice mafia and a good mafia culture. It was all the same thing. Mm. So that's what I'm saying that like, what, what like, black conservatives and, and like white conservatives call the culture of poverty, you know, the thesis, right? That's why black people are poor, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, I think I'm sympathetic in a sense to that, right? I think that's true. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there is an aversion to work still. Yeah, mm -hmm. come on now. We can't can, can continue to like pretend otherwise, right? Right, right? We can talk about why, but you know, hip hop lyrics, are not about like the work ethic and the nuclear family, are they? Right. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. And if anything, they're getting further and further and further away from any of that. For like a minute in the 80s, they actually talked about like romance and maybe getting married someday. But like since yeah. then. So anyway, it's just like, I don't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, well, that, it's a big, let, let, it's a big mix. Let's 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 go ahead and use your own ammo against you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared. The Irish, the Irish come over here. Yeah. Oh, good. Treated like shit, right? You got it. Yeah, you got it. Clean they act up, they right. rise in society. Right. Italians come over here, treated like shit, treated like niggas. Mm -hmm. Clean they act up, stop True. that dancing and all that shit. Yep. Rise in society. I know. I look at that as a net good. Yep. All right. right. They they yep. rose in society. The only people that ain't clean they act up was the goddamn black folks. And that's right. why we're still here today, because we haven't cleaned our act up. Even the gays did before you. Mm. Even mm. the gays beat the blacks. Damn, my goodness. Cleaned up. Cleaned their act up. Like, damn, they were just like dancing in the streets, dressed up like women 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden they're like full Americans treated like normal. Not, not even that. They're like they're losing the Olympics of oppression now. Right. They're like at the bottom now. Oh. Like the gay men are considered to be like oppressors now. You know, they poof. God damn, that that was fast. So anyway, yeah, black people—the only group that hasn't cleaned their fucking act up. Yeah, God and do you see it. this is good? Shameful. Um, do you think this is good? Well, no, I'm saying it's a mix. I'm saying it's a mix. And here's what I'm, here's here's what I'm saying. Look seriously. Um, you, uh, fuck, I don't know, man. Where's the balance? I know, I know, I know. I'm thinking about your life for a second here, like, because I know okay. that you, you're balance, you do balance. Well, it seems like it. I mean, you're obviously, obviously immersed in quote the culture, but you're also like all about the family and raising your kids pretty strictly and with lots of rules and like you got plans for them and like it's it's the real deal and you come from a military family and you know and you still have some of that in you, right? Right. But see, that's all Jamaican. That's not, that's not American. <laughs> it is. You're right. You're absolutely right. A hundred percent. It's all Jamaican. Yeah. It's all Jamaican. It is. You know, oh, oh, oh by the way, you know my theory for that. So why are Jamaicans like this? Uh, because they took control of their country and then took had to take responsibility for it. Yeah. Black people had to govern. Yeah. Well, yeah. Black people, had, they had to govern. And you but can't. Still you, with you British know. rule, though. Yeah, they did. What are you talking about? I mean, they're controlling it, but the British still well, control yeah. the culture. Yeah, but they got to manage it. They manage it. Yeah, for sure. yeah, they, yeah. They are the managers. Black people don't manage shit and never manage shit in this country. Well, except for the cities. The cities. Yeah, so, yeah. But that's but that's my point, though, right? Like 
Jamaican, well, Jamaicans merged, they've suddenly merged the nation state with their identities, like even Bob right. Marley, did. like they all did, right? It was even right. cool, like even the Rastas did, like it was cool. Right. So, but that didn't happen here. That didn't happen. It's never been cool among black Americans, thank fucking God, to be like, to wear a red, white, and blue flag. Thank God. Mm. Okay. Thank God, right? Right. Except, right. Of, right. Except among you weird black Trump voters. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> You're like the only, and there's like five of them. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know every one of them. Know but you know what I mean? But like you must, but you're with me on that, right? Like you don't want to be an American nationalist. You don't, you're not into no. that about Trump, right? Are you? No. No. All right. No, absolutely not. Right. Right. You know, I'm, I'm definitely about like, I'm an anarchist, you know, I'm like an anarchist and like, yeah. So I'm saying, give the shines a little credit. Megan is stacked. Actually, that's more the Akata, isn't it? The shines the are the, 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 the ruling, the political class, right? Correct. Yeah, I guess they could be considered is that. Isn't that yeah. what you guys mean by that? Uh, they could, it could be some overlap. There's some okay. overlap in the Venn diagram. The, the Akata just means African Americans, right? Adolf? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, whole, yeah. yeah, the whole right. shebang. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and then, and then there's like Jamaica, right? Like the difference between like Jamaican culture and here. I think the difference is, I think the difference is the difference between British culture and American culture. There, there's that too. That's very important. That's part right? of it. Part like of it. British part culture of it. is very much like my, even when I grew up, my dad is like, you know, fork in the left hand, knife right. in the right hand. Definitely. You know, this is how you close your plate. This is, it means you're still eating, right? Like that's Definitely. all British culture. Definitely. Yep. That's part of it. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and. Yeah. But but there's also very much a Jamaican culture that's like yeah. definitely not British, right? Yeah, and there's a high and it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid culture, like right, right. like all like all are right. That right. that one happens to be whatever it, you know. Right, right. Uh, so I know. So it, it's I don't know. So okay, my point is like it depends on what you want, right? Like I believe. I'm an anarchist in terms of values and morality too. So I try not to impose my morale and I think it's a bad idea to do that. So like ask yourself what you want. Okay. And that's not up to me to decide at all, mm -hmm. at all, unless it's about hurting me. Right. <laughs> right. Then I might, then I'm going to say in it, but if it's not about you, you tell me what you value in life, what you want in life. And then it's just a question of strategy. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. There's just, how do we, how do you get there fast enough? Mm -hmm. How do you get there as fast as possible? Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want your kids to, to be coders, and to make a lot of money in tech, shut up and code. Right. Exactly what sounds like what you're doing. Like, right. uh, like you know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. like you're confused. You're not confused. Like you get it, right? right. Um, and also you're and and you and you're very aware that the elements of the culture that I've been talking about, um, you're very aware that they're anti-work mm. and and can definitely get in the way of making money. Mm -hmm. of, of gaining that precious capital that black Americans so, so terribly, uh, miss don't have right. Lack mismanaged. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's your whole argument. My argument too, right? It's like, you fucking need capital before you can have any well, power. We have capital. We just don't know how to keep it. Right. Right. Meaningful capital. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Yeah. And, and then converting it into political, like real political power. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. That's why I always call it a mismanagement. Because. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like tricky. Like, so, I mean, yeah, you have to have discipline. So, but on the other hand, if like, if we got rid of all, all vestiges of slave culture, right, 
and made hip hop clean. You want to make hip hop clean and you want to make it all sound like common and John and, and John legend like duos. Right. Yeah. That, that's what it would be like. Right. Yeah. Right. No, so I, like, I still, I still need some music that, that, that has a little bit of uh, murder in it, a little bit of one eight seven on the motherfucking cop. You know, I need a little bit but of that. You also, but you also want that anarchic rebellious oppositional fucking yeah right yeah you when you see it when you see a cop your blood pressure goes up not down right and you and if you're a, if you're an anarchist you want that spirit okay and i'm saying in this in this country in this country that has been centered around what we call the black working class since slavery since since during slavery mm. And it's partly because of the fact, because of their position as slaves, that they never took responsibility for being Americans, thank God. And it's also, uh, it's also West African lineage, the culture coming up, partly that. It's that combination, right? Mm -hmm. Which was so antithetical to Northeastern New England puritanical white culture mm -hmm. and so free in terms of the body in particular, right? Mm -hmm. No wonder, man, that white people were like, thank God there's some people who know how to have some fucking fun around here, you know? Because <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, like seriously, people, it's like people make jokes about how repressive white America was in the 19th century. Like Europeans would make fun of Americans. Uh. We were working like 60 to 80 hours in factories and talking about how good that was, you know? Oh, it was like, man. there was no sex going on outside of marriage. Women were locked down in the home. Men were locked down in jobs and the home. Like, no, it was not fun. And like super religious, you know, very repressive culture, no mm. pop culture yet. There was no pop culture yet. Like, mm. so every, the only books people read was the Bible. It, 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 this, this <laughs> ch children were taught that toys were the devil's playthings. Yeah. Like, you know, and so the slaves are like, they're on the plantation. Yes, they're slaves, of course, right. but they're also having these parties where like the masters come and like set up like seats and chairs so they can come watch because it's like the only fun they've ever seen. Uh, so, and they don't talk about that side of history. They don't talk about that side of slavery. Right. But I mean, it's like, but your quest, but you, your concern is like, okay, I get that value, but like now we're still fucking poor. Right. Because of that culture. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're dead right. And like, so I'm like, I'm like a privileged white boy who's like spent my life being a wigger, like loving the black culture and like enjoying it, like from the privilege of my white skin. Mm. Right. Like when I drive, I never even think about the cops pulling me over for, you know, unless my taillights busted or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here I am being like, no, don't assimilate because I like your music. Shake that ass, black girl. <laughs> Come on, you Negroes. Show me how to dance. <laughs> this is so wrong. I'm, I'm trying to get it. Yeah, I'm trying to get the rhythm, fellas. Can you don't assimilate? Be, don't, don't be like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I get it. I get it. Like, if, if black people want to tell me to shut the fuck up and and um, they that assimilation is the way to go, like Martin Luther King was saying to a word, like he was not having any black culture. None. Yeah. Zero. He didn't like jazz. He didn't even like jazz. Okay. Yeah. If, if black people want to go that route, I got nothing to say about it. Right. Because mm -hmm. every other group's done it. Every other group, including my people. Yeah. Jews, Irish. Yeah. Right. They did it. Okay. I'm not going to say 
I can't stop you because I get it. Like, I don't want to be black when the cops are around. I don't want to be black <laughs> in, all kind, in all kinds of circumstances, right? Yeah. I get it. Um, but then again, if you value black culture, what we call the culture yeah. at all, you're going to, that's gone. That's gone. But what about, what about the yeah. ascension of consciousness, <sighs> the ascension to cosmic consciousness, you know? And of course, I guess this comes back to being puritanical and closer to God and whatnot. Right. So and I think this is why I'm looking to you as the hope for all of us. <laughs> Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Let me be serious. I'm, I'm serious, actually. I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about when I was talking about your family, you know, and your kids and all that, right? It's yeah. like, maybe you're the first person I've come across where I was like, huh, I see a lot of both. I see a lot, lot of like respectability politics and I see a lot of like street culture for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. Like a whole, I see like a whole lot of both at the same yeah. time coming out of you, right? Right. And it's like and you said your mom like if if I if I talked to her on the phone, I would assume it was a white woman, right? Absolutely. Yeah, she puts a white Well, woman. yeah. So like if you were to do that yourself, if you were to code switch all the way, right? you would probably have a easier time in business. Would you not? I would. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Right. So this is so, but yet you, but I love you for that. Like, you're, but you're like, fuck no, I'm gonna still be black as hell. And I'm gonna make the business calls with exactly how I'm talking. And we're gonna go until we, that's it. And I'm gonna make my, I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a businessman and it's, you know, the bag is out there and I'm going to keep pushing until I get the fucking bag, but I'm not going to give the, up this part of my identity. Mm. So maybe I'm saying, I'm hoping, and hip hop stars kind of did pioneer this, right? In a lot of ways, right? They, were, they cool. didn't give up their blackness for one bit. Right. And they, and they definitely, some of them, the smart ones definitely got the bag and right. they're doing just fine. And they're as black as anybody could ever be. Mm -hmm. So, but I think like for ordinary people without billions of dollars in yachts whose names aren't Jay-Z, et cetera, like you could be, I don't know, like you could be, that's what you're doing maybe. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I see that with all you guys, like Uncle Hotep too. Like I see like, that's what's really cool about it. It's like you, that embrace, that full embrace of like black American culture. Like, uh, you're like underneath it almost. But at the same time, you're like really critical of the bad shit in it. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that I think is bad too. Like, I don't think the violence is cool. Like, you know, I I, I don't think it's cool to like brag about shooting people in, in song lyrics, you know? I mean, I get why they do and I don't judge it. I would rather they not, Right. you know? I mean, when I say it's not cool, I mean, it's not cool that we live in a society in which that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Right, I don't yeah. judge the, I don't, I don't judge the 17 year old from Compton for singing, for uh, rapping about that, but you know. Right, right, right. Anyway, so like maybe the, I'm saying the Hoteps might be like, there's some kind of like way you guys are like resolve this, this eternal contradiction, right? Yeah. In the civil war that Chris Rock talked about. Uh, uh. Well, I don't, maybe. I, you're the only ones I've ever seen to do that. Yeah. I'm, it's funny you see that because that's exactly what I try to do. I try to marry the worlds, right? Like yeah, no, yeah. you can be black and quote unquote professional and what's black doesn't mean it's unprofessional, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, yeah. And you kind of see that like, 
I mean, yeah, I've seen like black professional class people still not like fully assimilate, although pretty damn close. But I'm thinking about like the American Wakanda, otherwise known as Atlanta, mm. um, which that's an amazing place to study. Like everybody should like be going down there. Like Michael Killer Mike talks about this all the time, like how it's like people don't understand like Atlanta is an amazing place because it's been like it's a black city like and mm -hmm. has been like for decades like in terms of like the the size of the population and the power of the population and like you know just the cops the cops are black you know like so it's <laughs> um yeah. it's a fascinating thing uh killer mike's dad was a cop mm. you know that no i didn't know that oh yeah he, he it's like in a lot of his songs like that's that it's funny because he like he'll rap about killing cops <laughs> but he'll say but the reason he wants to kill the cops is because they dishonored the badge mm. that his dad mm. was really interested like he also i'm saying is a really interesting he embodies this kind of like paradox that's going right. on right because right, he's, right. he's in hip-hop and he's he fucking he's high all the goddamn time i mean like he smells like a pound of weed at nine in the morning <laughs> like you know but like but he's rich and he's famous and he's successful and he's great and he's married and he's getting married He's married. He's got, you know, he's really into his wife. Yeah. He's yeah. really into being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. he, he, Mike's a, he's a Booker T. Washington. He's got the barbershop and he's like, he's an interesting, you should, I mean, that I was thinking about you guys connecting. You should definitely talk at some point if it's possible. I would love to. I would love to. I would love to. I would he's love a, to. He's a great, he's a great dude. Yeah. He's a, he's a great dude. I can tell. I can tell from you know, yeah. just consuming his content. Yeah. Um, I'd love to pick his mind because I really don't understand my people. Um, and I'm trying to understand <laughs> yeah. them other than oh, the my, fact that I've diagnosed him with a disability. Michael, <laughs> Michael give you some lectures, man. You want to, he wants some black history. Oh my God. Yeah. He'll, he won't stop. Yeah. We, we talked for like, I mean, we went for like three, three hours. We didn't even, we scratched the surface. Yeah, he's nice. But you guys, I'm saying your politics are, are there's there's definitely some a lot of hotep in him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we always say uh, Killer Mike is like hotep, you know. I think that's why when they did that panel with Diddy and Candace Owens, he was like, nah, she's right. Right. And I think it takes oh. a quote unquote hotep to be able to sit in front of an all black crowd in Atlanta and take up for Candace Owens. Right. Yeah. But, but only Killer Mike could get away with that. Right. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was so necessary because Candace Owens, you might not like some of her rhetoric, but a lot of the shit is accurate as fuck. Of course. You know, course. a lot of this accurate diagnosis and assessments and so on and so forth. Her delivery might be a little weird or whatever. But you know, um Well she, she, work, she works for the Republicans, that's the problem. There you go. <laughs> but, but what she has, but what she has to say about the left, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah it's all accurate, and I love that Killer Mike stood up for her and said, "Hey, you know, she's right. Y'all need to listen." You know, um, and I think only you know Killer Mike could get away with that stuff. So I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with him just to kind of understand the black left because I think he's like, he's like on that fence, right? Like he gets to see the Hotep side, and no, and he gets to see the black left. I know, but I want to see you guys go at it over like socialism. And social democracy and Bernie and you know because he's into that. Is he, too. Is, he, is he a socialist? 
he yeah he's he was like the, he was the he's the main bernie dude like yeah, in pop culture that. like yeah. yeah he was like the biggest celebrity he was pro bernie <laughs> yeah i saw that i was like yo we fucking with, we not fucking with bernie mike <laughs> well i know but that's i would love to see that i would love to see you guys argue about that stuff that would be I would, fascinating I would, I would love to that would be very 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 respectful conversation yeah yeah and but, but but so like yeah like the two of you kind of like and the fact that you're half Jamaican and half ADOS, whatever, yeah. fuck a stupid term, whatever. But like, you like you embody like you embody that paradox there too, right? Or contradiction, mm -hmm. whatever that is. Like, a, it's not a contradiction because it's all. As I said, it's like that culture. What's called the culture has got all of it at, at the same time. That's why, like, I hate like so racists car caricaturize it as just the bad stuff. But then what liberals have done, of course, is caric caricaturize it, make it into a caricature of just the good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So like all black people have all been like Martin Luther King, basically. Like, come mm -hmm. on now, you know, like What did Martin Luther King say? <laughs> and you know, and you know what? Here's the thing, and I'm talking about white supremacy, like what the fuck is more white supremacist than to say, oh yeah, they've always been like us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's, a very, there's a distinctive culture, and there always has been. Right. right. Uh, you don't have to like it, but there is one. You know. So anyway. Um. Let's talk communism. Yeah. You, you were raised I'm, as a, I'm as against a it. <laughs> but you were raised as a commie, right? Yeah. So your parents were born into communism in in Europe, or? No, my I was. <laughs> I mean, not in Europe, but I was born into communism. My parents, now my parents were not, no, they were not born into political, uh, they weren't political until they went to college. Um, again, what, I, what, I've been, <laughs> what I've been saying right to you and many others, like all this shit comes out of college. Like it just, all of it. So yeah. socialism is like a rich man's game. Like it's, it's a rich college educated elite man's game. Always has, mm. always has, especially in this, in this country, like a hundred percent. There's no fucking like truck drivers who are socialists unless, <laughs> unless, unless some socialists got to him, like my stepfather, that's what he was doing. He was a truck driver. He got a job as a truck driver so that he could convince the truck drivers to become socialists, to, to have a revolution. But he was like, he was an uh, upper class dude. His dad worked for the State Department, speaking of the CIA, probably for the CIA too. He was like a diplomat in Moscow. And, you know, it was like from that world, he went to boarding schools in Northeast. You know what I mean? He went to the University of Chicago and he drops out of all that. Mm. This is how fucking crazy these people were. Mm. I'm not talking about just my parents. I'm talking about the left and the so the hardcore hardcore socialists. I will say this. I mean, they definitely lived according to their principles, right? Right. They could have. It could have been rich. They could have been having like very cushy jobs, but instead they drop out of that shit and get. My stepfather got a job as a steel worker, in a factory, and then a truck driver for Safeway. <laughs> That's crazy. He went to Exeter Academy, which is like the most elite boarding school in the country, and then he went to the University of Chicago, which is one of the tops. Right, he was like on a track to be anything he wanted to be. He's a fucking steel worker to to convince the workers around him that to have a communist revolution. Oh my god, that's some psychotic. That's some psycho shit, right? That is like deep, that's deep, like, deep. That's like a Jehovah Witness type shit. Yeah, it's a church. It's absolutely yeah. a church. I was born Actually, into a church. Stop! Stop right there. I made a mistake. Yeah. 
We're going to hold right. off on that. I want to do some super chats because they have some questions and then we're going to continue on into communism because this is a great conversation I need to have with you. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to read all of them and then we'll have you answer the question. So shout out to Joe Big Low. He said, Kanye Ben told you. Uh, Chad Lemoyne, what up, Chad? Said, hard to uh, look past the imagery in that WAP video. Fits exactly desired themes of the people who run that industry. Uh, Cardi B hair in a slave chain. Uh-oh. Uh, ah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Row, uh, Renegade History connected a lot of dots for me in 2016 while I was transitioning out of a socialist mindset. Hotep and Bill. Shout wow. out to Ken. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Daniel Hawk, uh, Scottish and Irish culture mixed with black culture on the plantation uh, when they were uh, all together. Indeed, indeed. John yeah. Lemley. Yes, sir. Says, uh, good evening. Thank you, John. What up, Lemley? Uh, John Wayne asks, he says, uh, how does your guest feel about using the N-word? Ooh. Did, I did. Did I? Didn't I once? Yeah, you did in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I tested you that early, huh? <clears throat> Like well, the wait, they should, be asking, they should be asking you, how do you feel? About, how did you feel about that? How did I feel about it? Um, I don't know. I don't feel shit. So it's like, like, I didn't take it as like malicious. I just took it as like historical reference in the way you were using it, right? Like you were using it as a historical reference. So it wasn't like you were saying like, nigga, shut up, you know, or you right. my nigga, right? It wasn't like that. Right. So, but I think, I think. It definitely crossed my mind. Like some black people ain't gonna like that. He just said nigga. You know what I mean? Like you're not allowed to have any context with it, which I I don't really agree with. If 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 uh, if you didn't know me and it was like in the first like minute of our conversation, it would have been an entirely different story, probably, right? Well, maybe not an entirely different story, but it would have been a different mm. story. Nah, not with me. Not with yeah, me. Maybe not. Okay. Maybe not you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know me, I'm like, I'm super educated. So I, I don't look at see, things let like me, that. All right. Let me talk about that word. <laughs> okay. Look, God damn it. It's the most important word in American history, oh. whether you like it or not. It's just a truth. That's just a fact. That's, I mean, right. Like the whole damn society was organized around that word. Basically mm. you either are that or you aren't. Okay. That was like the foundation of the fucking country. Okay. Called mm. slavery based around that fucking, you know, basically that word, you know what I mean? Like what it represents. Mm -hmm. Uh, did it go away after slavery as in being important? No, fuck no. And does it, I mean, not only did it separate, you know, the good Americans from the bad Americans after that, but even among the bad Americans, it was used to separate what we've been calling the black political class from everybody else who they called what, mm. what Chris mm. Rock called them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what I've heard you guys call them, right? Mm. What <laughs> so you use the N word to like the way Chris oh, Rock? Oh, did. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 like in a derogatory sort of a derogatory. I mean, derogatory right, right, right. when you're critical of like what black yeah. people are doing today, right, whatever, right, you know. Right. Um, but but my point is, it's the most important word in American history. I think hmm. a lot of people will like be sympathetic to me when I say that, right? Like that seems pretty, like a pretty solid thing to say, right? Like, mm. cause it's unique for us. It's our own, it's the only place where it's used. Like we invented it, we used it. It's become like ubiquitous, everybody, you know. Um, but as I said, more importantly, like the basic social structure of the country was built around everything that it represented. So like 
W.E.B. Du Bois like argued that this was deep in a way that like undergirded everything. And he's right. A white person, a, a poor white person, he said, mm-hmm. doesn't have shit in this country except <laughs> one thing, which is actually valuable. Mm. He's not a nigger. Mm. He'll mm. always have that. He'll mm. always have that. Mm. He may not have a job. <laughs> he may not have a wife. He may not have any money in the bank, but he'll never be a nigger. Mm. Mm. That's and true. You know what? And W.E.B. Du Bois said, he called that, he called that the wages of whiteness. That's what we all get. Like it's a wage we get for wh- as white oh, people in this yeah. society yeah. instead of actual money. <laughs> so we're getting played too. See, we're getting played. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. White people yes, are getting played. Yes, yes. yes dumb, yes. dumb, dumb motherfuckers, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, here I am, homeless, miserable life. Uh, but I'm not one of them niggers. Like, what the okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. C- congratulations. Like what <laughs> like that 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 allows you to sleep well at night. Oh, and by the way, they're having more fun than you too? Like with less money? Like what the yeah, what is this about? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. with no funny with sorry, with no money, like they invented American entertainment. Right. Pretty much and Jews later, but uh, mostly mostly blacks. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's like it's the basis of American entertainment, like across the mm. board, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty big deal. Like it's the number one American export to the world. <laughs> people will people will be like that's that's the other thing that pisses me off. It's like, oh well, black people get credit for like, oh, pop culture. I'm like, uh-huh. You mean like the the industry that's bigger than the automobile industry? Really? Mm. Seriously, you're going to denigrate that as somehow unimportant, really? Mm. Oh, wh- why don't you go talk to go talk to like the millions and millions and millions of girls in like Indonesia and the Philippines and Burma and fucking Saudi Arabia uh, who love Beyonce so much, they said to their Islamic parents, go fuck yourselves. Mm. Mm. And I'm going to dress and act the way I want to because of that black woman from America. And yeah, you, know that's going on? you know where that's going on most right now? Where? That's so much that it's a crisis that the cops have given up policing this. Tehran in Iran. They So it, women in the streets, Beyonce's fucking huge there. Black culture is huge as fuck. Women in the streets are like, they're like cursing out the Islamic police. Yeah, yeah. Cursing yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of the, a lot of that is influenced by American culture. And a lot of that American culture was black culture. Mm. Hell yeah. Them women are so lost. No, man, but I'm saying like <laughs> that, that, that good, that good slave culture yeah, I is, get it. is liberating the whole world. I get it, but they got to be burned at the stake. <laughs> the witches. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you take Beyonce over your parents and your culture? Your culture is the reason why you guys are even mildly oh, successful. See, no, why? Why? Really? Wait, what? Wait, you're defending now. You're defending like Islam against Beyonce? Yes. Wow, that's a that's that's an unexpected turn. Yes. Damn, man. Absolutely. Because uh, let's see. So wait, that means that like there's something. Okay, so what's primary for you? Like um, tri- tribal loyalty or na- what? 
or fi- family lo- family loyalty family loyalty. I, I will say family 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 we yeah. start at you know the individual and then family yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, family okay like, okay that's that makes sense protect women right and women shouldn't be objects of sexuality oh yeah 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 that makes sense okay yeah that's logical yeah. yeah yeah and then you have you know the these men have said you know you can't drive and you can't yeah. walk anywhere without a man and then then you have Western con- culture complaining about rape culture. And this is like, well, if you let us drive and let us walk you in the street, you wouldn't have had no problems. You see what I'm saying? And, yeah, then, yeah. and then they keep their women covered up. They show when they care. Then I you want to take it off and you want to show your ass. What you're going to get is you're going to get the white man's culture. Uh-huh. And your ass going to be poor in the streets under communism. I know. See, <laughs> I love this. I love this. It's like, because... Ah, oh, it's so hilarious. Like, there's another thing that like white liberals love to, and black liberals too, love to pretend, right? That oh, black people agree with us on all the cultural stuff. Uh-uh. Bah! No way. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> like, you want to talk about patriarchy? Oh my goodness! I mean, come on! I mean, so it's great to be able to actually talk about whether patriarchy is a good thing. Mm. Even though I dis- I think I disagree with you, like it's a great conversation to have. Yes. I'm fascinated right now. I'm like, my mind's working. I'm like, God damn, maybe he's got a point or five. <laughs> right? Because I know actually yeah. I know you do. Like I'm already kind of sympathetic to it and something, you know, I'm and that's what everything no. But like in the academy, hell, hell no. Like, no, no, we all agree on that. Like patriarch, everybody, black people would never say such a thing as that the fuck out of here like but that's what goes on they don't so there's no discussion of like primary questions like that Mm. that's a primary civilizational question Mm. should we organize society around a patriarchy or a matriarch or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that's the first question and we don't ever talk about it I'm not saying what side you're, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not on the side of the patriarchy, but like, can we not talk about it? Mm. We should talk about slavery, goddammit. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. about whether slavery is a good thing. Why mm-hmm. not? Let's talk about, even though I think it's superstitious bullshit hoax of the highest order, let's talk about whether race is a real thing. Mm-hmm. I, even though I'm an anti-race realist to my bone, as we've talked about that, but I, I say bring those people to the college campuses. Let's have it out. Yeah. yeah. Bring the receipts. Bring the research, Charles Murray. Yeah. Bring, the, bring Charles Murray. Bring Charles Murray and his whole army. Give Charles Murray money to bring an army to make the best possible argument to convince me that I've been wrong about race my entire fucking life. Mm. Let's do it. Instead, mm. no. What do we do? We don't let him speak and we pretend that all of us, especially black people, which is so fucking insulting because it's not only flatly wrong, it just mm-hmm. treats them like kids, whatever. But like, oh no, they used to, oh yeah, they like, so you represent black people on these college campuses, do you? But you don't allow like the dominant positions of black Americans to be voiced mm, mm, mm. On, on these questions? Mm-hmm. You got your fucking mind. Gay marriage, you want to go there for a half a second? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You lying fucking weasels. <laughs> like, bring some, bring some real black people. <laughs> like, bring you know, yeah. like, not the, not real. I'm sorry. Just bring um ten of them, and six or seven will tell you that they're opposed to gay marriage. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the numbers. It's something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so anyway. Interracial too. I don't yeah, there's gotta be more super chats, I'm sure. <laughs> um let me see. Um Eli he said, Russell, are Latinos replacing the black community? Of course they are. Chad Lemoyne, um yeah. uh Hegelian yeah. uh dialectic. Uh, we're all waging debt slaves, but if we hate each other, maybe we won't notice it. Uh, the racial divide is thesis and antithesis. What was, uh, it? What was that last one? Uh, he said, uh, Hegelian dialectic, uh, we're all uh, wage and debt slaves, but if we hate each other, maybe we won't notice it. The racial divide is thesis and antithesis. Oh, yeah. That's like an old, and this is not a put down at all. That's an old Marxist argument about like why there's racism in the United States, right? Is that the mm -hmm. capitalists have de deliberately like stoked it um, to divide the working class so that the working class could never unify and have the socialist revolution that my parents wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, it's bullshit, basically. But there is one really important piece there, which is super important, actually. Um, one of the reasons that so many white people hate black people historically in this country is because black people were used, especially in the mid 20th century as strike breakers. Mm hmm. Yes. Yes. Now, now I shouldn't actually, that's, that's a bad way to put that. That's actually a paternalistic way to put that. They weren't okay. used as strike breakers. There were job openings that they took. Mm. Right, because I was trained by commies to think that all strike breaking is bad. So we talk about it if it's black people. Well, they had to be like manipulated into doing it because it was such a bad thing. And black people are saints. Right, right. First of all, I think there's nothing wrong with taking a fucking job from somebody who went on strike. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't care what color you are, um, but especially if, especially if you're a black man in Georgia in 1934. And there's a steel mill and it was all white. It was segregated. It was all white. And the white men walked off the job. And you said, uh, I'll take the job. Thank you. And the wage that's like three times what I was making picking cotton. Uh, how the fuck are we supposed? So ask a communist how to deal with that history. Mm. Ask a liberal. What do you got to say about that history? That's the history. So a lot of black men and women broke strikes, took these jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And so, they, and guess what happened? They got like shot sometimes by like labor leaders, mm. labor leaders, mm -hmm. not, Ku Klux, not Ku Klux Klan, labor leaders. Mm. You know who else did this? Cesar Chavez. Everybody loves Cesar Chavez. He was the great hero of Mexican Americans, wasn't he? You know what Cesar Chavez did? Mm. He invented the word wetback. And he had his union patrol the border with Mexico to keep illegal immigrants out of the United States. Why? Because they were competing with his members, his union members who were farm workers. Mm. He wanted to keep the wages up. You, mm. you bring in the Mexican workers, the wages get depressed. Mm -hmm. Cesar Chavez called them illegal immigrants on television and said they should be deported. Cesar Chavez called them wetbacks because they, they had just swam over the river to get here. Mm. Labor in this country, he was a labor leader. The labor movement in this country has been as racist. I think only Southern governments are more racist as institutions historically. Mm. Mm. Southern governments, Jim Crow. Like, other than that, 
You have, you have unions, massive unions that control. This is like a third of the economy. To get a job, you had to become a member. You had to become a carpenter's union member or an automobile, uh, auto workers uh, union member. Right. They simply didn't let black people uh, be members. Like the unions were the ones who were the gatekeepers. Right. Not the employers because employers don't give a fuck. They just want, they don't care. Like if you can do the job, they, that's fine. They don't, right. they don't work next to you. So it was the, there's the incredibly racist and I'm talking real racist shit, like keeping people out of jobs, right? To the point where there were race riots in Detroit during the world, world war II between white and black workers over this very question, because mm -hmm. black people were coming up from the South. They had been sharecroppers. Their parents had been slaves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these white guys were leaving for the war or whatever. So there were job openings. So black dudes were like, hell yeah, thank you very much for tripling my wage. And I live in the city now and the black and the white people were like, nope n-word <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> and there was shooting and 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 fights in the street and killing and fighting both ways though that was the thing whites mm. and blacks both lost their lives black people were not victims mm, mm, mm. They, were not, they were not victims they shot back that should be the that should be the title of your movie they shot back they shot back well that's killer killer mike that's when i talked about it. we talked about the history of armed black violence Mm -hmm. sorry, armed, armed, armed self-defense, black armed self-defense mm -hmm. in every one of these big riots, like these famous race riots, like in Tulsa, you know, and in Detroit in the forties, there was white people got killed too. Like it was not, <laughs> it wasn't just like mass lynching in the street. It was, right. it was a fight. It was a mass fight in the street. Mm -hmm. mm, yep. mm, mm. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people like to act like we just got our ass whooped all the time. The victim, the victim thing is like, that was slaves that was invented for slaves that identity by abolitionists and then it was reinvented during the civil rights movement mm. john lewis actually was probably the most important person there because he became like the symbol of the martyr right he was the one who got beaten the worst on the mm. bridge right that's what mm -hmm. he was famous for mm. more than anything he ever said or thought was that he got beaten up <laughs> which I, lo I love that's your thing like that's your identity. <laughs> you got your ass whooped. <laughs> your ass whooped is like that's what you want to hang on. That's that's who you're gonna be. That's who we should be known as. The people who got our asses whooped by like that's a great insight that you made. I love that. I never thought about that before. Um, the 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 publicity stunt was the Montgomery bus boycotts, or was that summer? Um. It was all staged. I mean, everything was like, and I don't mean that like in a bad way. It's just like, you right. know, King, King would plan to do like these organized demonstrations. The bus boycott was in 50, 1955. That's, that was, yes, that was absolutely, that's a great story. Okay. So the bus boycott was, and this goes a lot to what we've been talking about. Um, the famous Montgomery bus, bus boycott, Rosa Parks, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. So the local NAACP gets the idea to do this, to find, they want to find a woman to like serve as like the catalyst for this movement to like sit, to refuse to sit in the back and then she'd get arrested and then mobilize, they would mobilize this boycott to like desegregate the buses. Right. Cool. Great. So they started looking for like who, uh, they started looking for a black woman to do this. It was totally staged. It was a total setup, but that's fine. I mean, it was for great purpose. Right. Right. So they find this one woman, uh, and I forget her name and they have her do it. And she, is I forget she's either pregnant. She had or a baby. She out of fought one. with the bus. 
Well, there's Claudette Colvin who's second. Anyway, anyway, she oh. like fights with the bus driver. She spits on them and she's like fighting the cops and she's like, you know, <laughs> not behaving respectably. So they're like, nope, can't use her. <laughs> then they find then they find Claudette Colvin who um, does the same thing. She sits in the front of the bus. They arrest her. Then it turns out she's pregnant. Wow. She's a teenager. I think I get this. I'm remembering this right. right and her right, dad right. was like, they found her dad like doing something bad he was some, i don't know but so she wasn't good either she was not mm -hmm. respectable so they were dumped her they were like nope can't do the boycott around her either they're like rosa parks man rosa parks was like they called her what did they call her like like mrs america she was so perfect she was like christian she went to church every day she was like a lifelong member of the naacp she was educated articulate spoke the mm -hmm. king's english like mm -hmm. you know perfect and just played the martyr role right which mm -hmm. isn't quite a victim it's jesus it's the jesus role right it's like right. i suffer for you and then we will be delivered you know but okay but that's that story so she she had to be the perfect american mm. see this is the this is the beginning of this fucked up twisted dynamic right mm -hmm. beginning in 1955 with the monk it's like well here's the deal guys you get to have civil rights and you know maybe the cops won't hit you as much <laughs> but you've got to be like rosa parks and martin luther king mm -hmm. you gotta be you gotta be perfect mm -hmm. and you know who the you know who won the for who was the first black winner of a oscar of a best best uh actor oscar in the i, I, I want to say it was uh the mammy a fellow West Indian. Oh, maybe you're right. I said, sorry, first man, first man, fellow West first, Indian. Uh, first man. Yeah, that's gonna slip my mind. Fellow fellow West West Indian, Sidney Poitier. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, so so so, okay. so 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 you need to watch his movies from the 1950s. Oh, I have. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, those movies say everything about what we're talking about. So he's in, he's, he becomes a big star. He's in all these big Hollywood movies and every single time he plays the same character, which is this mm -hmm. perf. He speaks like he studied at Oxford university. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He has a white friend mm. and his white friend drinks too much. And his white <sighs> friend likes women too much. His white friend might get into trouble with the law too. Sydney doesn't have any of those problems. Mm. Sydney doesn't drink. Sydney doesn't even, he doesn't even have any sexuality, much mm. less for white women. All right. Sydney, I mean, whatever the character's name is, he, he saves his white friend every time. Mm. Mm. He helps him out because he, Sydney, doesn't care about himself. He doesn't, he's selfless, mm. just like Jesus was. Mm. And he saves the white guy every time. Mm. It's and these were like big movies, and he won an Oscar mm. for one of them. This is, this is how we want the Negroes to act. Yeah, and so you've got Sidney Poitier at the exact same time as Martin Luther King with his business suit, right, yeah. and his nice family and his Christian values and all that, right, and telling and telling black people stop drinking, stop having sex, start using soap. That was one of his big things. He was talking about how black <laughs> people were dirty. He said we got to act like the white man more, right? And then Rosa Parks is like perfect american right mm. and guess who else has been barack obama like yeah, can you be more perfect than barack obama you can't no. 
That dude's like nailed it. Like no white person is, well, same, no white person has been as perfect as Rosa Parks. Yeah. That's yeah. an impossible thing. They like invented these, these personas that don't, that are like impossible to actually uphold. How mm. do we know that? Because Martin Luther King fucked everything he could touch. <laughs> That's facts. <laughs> That's right. Fact. Which is not, which is not to say that, oh, he's a bad man. It's to say it's impossible to do that if you're a human right. being, right. Yeah. To uphold those values like that. So. And, and I, and I, and I get that, you know, criticism a lot from the black community and say, oh, we don't listen to the hoteps because they're delivery. I'm like, the fuck you want me to sound like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you have to sound like you said, like Oxford university, and then they'll accept you. And it's like, Yo, like, so you want me to sound like a white person, but you're claiming about white supremacy. Like, you're upholding white supremacy when you tell me you don't. And I'm speaking to you just like we would speak on the street. It's right. just that you don't want to be spoken to like you are on the street when it comes to white topics. Now, I got to speak like a white man to you when we talk about these topics, but I can't have the same vernacular and the same energy. And it's just, I like, know. It's another reason I don't really want to be black. God damn, that's exhausting. Like code switching, <laughs> being bilingual. I don't know. Like <laughs> that's too much work, man. It I, is. You know, Ch Chappelle was right. Like it's every black person's got to be bilingual, unless you don't ever want to leave the hood and then you know and always be poor. But like, yeah. if you want to like make any money, you've got to you've got to learn to speak. And if yeah, god damn, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm tired just thinking about it. And it's like, um, depends, it depends on what room you're in. Right. It switches from minute to minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, all right, so let's get back to communism, right? So <laughs> okay. your, parents, your parents, your dad's going around and he's playing pariah with socialism, right? Hmm. Um, and then you accept this because I guess you're, that's your parent. You it's are how you're raised, right? Church. Right. So- what is the what is the describe that ideology to me at that time? What it meant to be a socialist and what hmm. your idea and what your ideals are for life and like what that means for teaching your kids, right? Mm. Like the future of your family and then the future of the nation or whatever. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Right now, I was just thinking about this um, in a new way. In a new way, I was just thinking about this. You know what it was for me? This is sad as shit. Uh, it's a good thing I went through therapy and I'm over it. But like, here's how it works. Okay. It's obviously fucking weird to like be a revolutionary socialist in the United, at any time, but especially in the United States in 1960, whatever, 1970, whatever. Right. <clears throat> so my parents, and this was my mother, my stepfather and my father all were in the same group. Okay. Uh, just my mother and my stepfather were the ones who industrialized, it was called. They got these jobs in factories and shit to organize the working class, like the super crazy shit, the cult-like mm -hmm. behavior, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was, um, so, but that was everybody around me. Like, that was all their friends were their com comrades. They called them comrades. They would play poker. Every week they had a poker game, but like they all called each other comrades. And I would, I didn't know what they were talking about. So like for me, it was all like, you know, those old Charlie Brown cartoons where the adults are like, rah, 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 rah. like that's yeah. all it was. I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. It was all Marxism over my head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But all I knew was like, I had to be that. Right. Like if you're born into a church. So the thing was, my point I was getting at though, is my parents were very absorbed in this like fantasy world. 
of communism, which is what it is. Mm -hmm. If you're in the United States, because there's right. no communism, it's all the it's all like theoretical. Okay. Right? So they're like very, so they're fucking terrible parents. Like, I mean, they were just like super negligent, like didn't just, yeah, I was like, I was like a well, we weren't on welfare, but we were close. Well, actually we did live in public housing for a couple of years, but like close, but it was like, I, but there was like that kind of life. Like they just let me, I roam the streets like on my own. What's up with that? Like even like Trotsky, like pretty much like abandoned his children. Like what's, what's up with socialists and like. Because they're intellectuals, man. Just like you and me. That's why we got to watch ourselves. <laughs> I'm serious. Like we get wrapped up in here. Anybody, mm -hmm. every intellectual I've ever known has this problem. You know, you get wrapped up in here. So you fucking, my mother literally would like not see me right next to her sometimes. Cause she'd be like reading something and be yeah. thinking about it so hard. Right. Right. And I find myself doing that. My son will be like trying to get my attention. I'm sure you've had this happen, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they just fucking sucked. It was like they were terrible parents and like really negligent and just like just checked out and like thinking about the revolution and whatever the fuck oh, nonsense. I see you know? what you're saying. Right. And so so then um so I so it's like the idea is well, you still gotta like so I got to like be enter the priesthood, I guess, to like prove myself. So I got to learn what socialism is. Right. Mm -hmm. And I finally do that. I go to college and I literally, I was like, that's my mission. And I read Marx and I read the history of socialism and I know all that stuff now. Like ask me anything about the history of the left. I can tell you about it. Mm. And then I come back and then like my parents are like, yeah, we're not political anymore. I'm like, what? <laughs> I just went off and like taught myself how to be a socialist. I, I, I'm a priest now, mom. Like I got, anointed and now you're yeah they like they just watch msnbc but they're not they're not into it but but that's how, how like twisted that is it was like mm. the th and the thing was like socialism then in my mind became a replacement for the family i didn't have mm. like my family is a divorce too by the way so that's i missed i forgot that part so they divorced when i was five Okay. So my family was like fractured, fucked up and negligent. So I just basically had just like this fucked up. So like socialism, the fantasy for me when I thought about it wasn't like a Soviet factory where everybody's making like, you know, widgets, which is what it actually is. <laughs> it was just like everybody's like kumbaya, man. And like all the races of the world and all the people will be together and like harm in harmony and community and like we'll all get along and we'll i guess cooperate i didn't even think that far about like how things would get produced but like right. to me it was like one big happy family that i never that i wanted so badly right so so right my mother's negligent so like i need to family i need a family and her like religion which is socialism kind of serves as that substitute so i chase that into my 30s into my thirties, mm. I was chasing that. Mm. And then finally I was hanging, and then I was hanging out with socialists. And I was like, these people are terrible, <laughs> terrible. Like there's something gotta be something wrong with their ideas. Cause they're terrible people. Yeah. And that was the biggest, so that was, that's what it was. That's what it meant to be uh, born so, in that church. What do you think makes socialism so persuasive and pervasive at the same time? Like what makes, gives it that appeal? <sighs> Well, yeah, Nietzsche, about this. It, it goes back to Nietzsche. Okay. I think a lot of people, a lot of people have made this argument, not just me. Um, Nietzsche made this great argument about, um, about this thing he called race sentiment. It looks like resentment. It's almost like resentment. It's really close to resentment, which is, it's basically like 
it's it's the hatred of the superior essentially mm -hmm. so it is very much like envy and resentment in the combination right and you want to take them down mm. um and i think that that's been the animating impulse in the america in the left since the left began mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. well when did the left begin the french revolution we all say that 17 we all agree with that 1789 french revolution the parliament literally physically gets separated between the left the jacobins the revolutionaries and the right the conservatives the traditionalists the church and the and the and the monarchy okay right that's what that starts then right mm. yeah what what were the jack what was the left wing of the, of the french revolution all about it was about killing motherfuckers as fast as possible right mm. like they invented the guillotine and they lined up the rich and they chopped off their heads as fast as they could mm. and the streets literally ran with the blood of the rich mm. Mm. no one disputes that history that's mm. standard french revolution history that's what it was right it was a massacre i mean it was many things but one of the things was a massacre of the rich so that's who's, organizing, who's organizing this this is this is the Jacobin Revolution. This is French revolutionaries. This is the people that established the French Republic. They, they, they've they've and, had to had had some sort of capital and power. They overthrew the monarchy and the church. Oh yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, they were overthrown. And then the and then out of that and then out of that you have the reign of terror, right? So they're killing the clergy. They're killing the monarchs. They're killing the rich. They're killing the aristocrats, and chaos ensues. And guess what happens? Guess what arises out of chaos and revolutionary bullshit like that? A dictator named Napoleon. Mm. Right. And then Napoleon takes the worst of the French Revolution, like this universalizing uh, imperialist shit. Yeah. And takes it all the way from Russia to Haiti. Mm hmm. <laughs> and makes right. everybody from Russia to Haiti abide by the Napoleonic Code. Mm hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so to this day, Napoleon's ass is still in Haiti, basically, because his the code, the law of Haiti is still he wrote it, like the basis of it, mm. the concept, you know. Mm. Um, so anyway, that so but the left, back to the left and violence and like resentment of the and hatred of the rich and wanted to fucking not my mother talks about killing the rich, always has. Like I've heard mm. like it's a thing, like they they laugh about it. It's funny mm. to them. Like so so yeah, so in my book, Dominate Wild. Um I talk about the use of that enemy, right, to mobilize people. And I think that's um, been a key factor for many regimes is to you have to have an enemy. And as long as you can focus your people around this enemy and that enemy exists and seems attainable, like the goal has to seem obtainable, mm -hmm. um, then you can hold power. Right. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing that makes Marxists. Uh, um, successful is who they target, right? To fill their ranks. And they're targeting, you know, disabled people, basically the undesirables, right? The people's on the outskirts of society, the minorities, right? And these mm -hmm. are the people that are usually ignored by uh, the greater society. You, you agree with that or? Which is part? That, about, well, that's what, I what about today. Well, that's what I see today, right? Today, it's like, you know, let's target transgender people, let's target black people, uh, mm -hmm. let's target uh, anybody who's been marginalized, right? Is basically, we're going to give them a voice and we're going to put them in the front. Whereas, okay. you know, on the right, we're like, nah, like we're not dealing with identity politics at oh, that okay. level, right? Mm -hmm. it has, has Marxism always targeted people like that? Or is this a new phenomenon? 
Another great question. Yeah. So, um, so the history of that, I'm just thinking back. Yes. The history of that is with the communist party, which was the, the one that was aligned with the Soviet union. Like this was the big one, you know, the serious, they had like a million, they had like a half a million members at one point in the 1930s. It was a serious thing at one point. Mm. And they like took orders directly from Joe Stalin in the Soviet union. That's what that meant. You know, um, mm -hmm. no joke. So they, <clears throat> they, in the 1930s made a, it was a very deliberate policy that Moscow dictated to them, and this is not controversial, okay, this is every, is, that they go after blacks, they try to recruit blacks, mm. get as many black members as possible because they, you know, for good reason, we're like, they're more likely to be pissed off at America, right? And more likely mm. to be revolutionaries. So that's why the Communist Party became very active in the civil rights movement. That's mm. why Martin Luther King's advisor, what? It was you, right? It was a com fucking communist, or maybe it was Curtis Yarvin, it was both I've of you, whatever. It, yeah, I've said it before. Yeah, like, yeah, Stanley Levinson. He was absolutely, had been a member of the Communist Party. It's totally true. Like, and he wrote like a lot of King's speeches and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it was all cynical. Like, and Paul Robeson, the poor man, like his, that whole, it's so, God, heartrending. Although it was his choice. I mean, but he's buried god damn it in red square like what mm. he chose it mm. he chose to be buried in red square next to lenin i mean mm. it's so sad and he was used i mean he was just used as like uh as a prop as a token he defended the soviet union he defended stalin he defended the gulag he said the gulag didn't exist he he said that communism was a great thing of course for black people like i was his whole you know like and so that's why they were all involved in the civil rights movement mm. that's mm -hmm. That's like sound. That's a conspiracy that's a hundred percent true. Mm -hmm. And then that leaks over into like the Black Panther Party. Um, no, the Panthers are always separate. The Pan see that's the thing. They're 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 more of a nationalist. Well, sorry, you know you're right. I mean, so that they're, you know what they are? They're actually gangsters at the beginning. <laughs> okay. They they pick up politics when they figure that that's how they can get over over. It's right where I'm sitting in Oakland, like that. So they, they're, they actually were from Berkeley and Oakland. Okay. And so they, and they were around a lot of educated white people like my parents <laughs> and they were like, Oh, hmm, the way to get money from these white people is to like, to read Mao's red book and mm. to read and to read uh, Das Kapital and to, you know, talk that language. And then we'll go down to university of California, Berkeley, where all my, my, the socialists were like my yeah. parents. Yeah. Oh, they'll give us money to buy, to buy guns with. So that we can uh, go patrol Oakland. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's exactly what Bobby Seale and Huey Newton did. They sold they sold copies of Mao's Little Red Book on the campus of UC Berkeley. Okay. Took that took that money, bought rifles, and then patrolled the streets of Oakland. And then would every time they saw a cop pulling over a black person, they would just walk. You know the story. They would walk up and just be like, "Hey, what's going on?" Mm, and then mm. and then Ronald Reagan tried to pass the first gun control act law in the country in response to that and was successful. Right. Right, so right. gun control is racist history. We can we can talk about that too. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, were they accepting the communism, or were they just cloaked in communism? The Panthers. Yeah. Those guys were so crazy, man. Like, it's Huey Newton, Eldridge Cleaver. So Eldridge Cleaver ended up <laughs> he ended up living a block from my parents, and he he converted to Mormonism, and he became like an ultra nationalist American. He had a huge American flag on his front porch. Okay. 
You know what I mean? And Huey mm-hmm. Newton was a crackhead uh, at the end of his life, and he was he was he was murdered. Yeah, he was murdered like on the fucking streets of West Oakland, like which is the worst part of Oakland, and over some fucking crack deal. And Bobby Seale went. You know, he was in Congress. He was like the only one who had like he had any like brains left. I mean, but they were a pretty crazy organization. I mean. Mm. There were actual crim I mean, a whole lot of criminals in the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the problem. That was the problem. There were some really good people like Fred Hampton. And like the school lunch program, the school breakfast program was fantastic. Mm. Like fantastic. The communities like serving children food instead of the government. Mm-hmm. Damn. BLM, mm-hmm. listen. <laughs> Hello. Ding dong. Fucking there you go. Do that shit. Mm-hmm. Do that, DeRay. Do that, Sean King. And we'll stop mm-hmm. calling you Talk Max, maybe. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that's what they should be talking about. So that's what the Panthers are about. Those two things were badass, man. Like, c- patrolling the streets with guns to confront oh, the cops yeah. and serving food to chill poor children. Yeah, yeah. That's what, I'm th- that's what we're talking about, right? That's, yeah. that's the best of black nationalism. Mm. That's the sweet, that's the best of black. That's that, that inspires the white left in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. Right. That like Murray Rothbard, that's when he started to want to fuck with, with black nationalists. Right. Cause they were mm-hmm. like, Oh shit, that these people know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're the only mm-hmm. people in this country with any sense, you know, mm-hmm. like it seemed like at that point. Right. Wow. But that's, you think about those two programs together. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just for black people. Mm. Dumbasses. Mm. That's just the Panthers just showed, just gave you a like an offering mm. for everyone mm-hmm. because we all get shot by the cops right, and we all right. need to feed our children. Mm-hmm. And the government shouldn't have any business in that. Right, 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 right. And the right. black, crazy ass Panthers, as crazy as they were, they did that. Eldridge Cleaver wrote a book about raping white women. Like, I mean, they were crazy, but you know, the mafia, as I said before, the mafia was real bad and real good. Yeah, yeah. Black yeah. slave culture was really good and really bad. Right, right, right. Same shit. The Panthers are really bad, and I mean, they were t- like new, the New Haven, Connecticut Panthers. Mm-hmm. They, they, what did they do? They tortured a dude to death. Mm. I think using like acid. Mm-hmm. They were bad mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. bad. I mean, a member. They tor- tortured a member to death because mm. they thought he was a turncoat, a, a snitch. Mm. Mm. So gangster, it was a, it was a mix. It was gangster for real. Yeah, um, all right. So we got communism coming out of the French Revolution. We're saying that as fact? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the left, that's the lineage. They weren't communist quite, although a lot of it was real communist. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the French Revolution did have like very egalitarian economic policies. But like, yes, the idea of universal equality mm-hmm. of people that's forced upon them. Mm-hmm. like was forced upon me and mm-hmm. all the kids in Berkeley when we were bust, right? That's Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the French philosopher, who was the main inspiration for the Jacobins and the French revolutionaries. This is the crucial, crucial point, right? He said, everyone should be equal and everyone should be made to be equal. Mm. That means there should be no private property. Mm. That means that everyone will be the same level in every way, legally and economically and culturally. Mm-hmm. There will be no cultural distinctions among groups at all. Mm-hmm. Everyone will be, a, here's another, back to our theme here, everyone will be homogenized into one single culture. Mm. 
So the French to still to this day, right? I was in Paris two years ago. If you go to Paris, it's now, it's like, by the way, it's a black fucking city. It's amazing how many black, like West Africans live there now. It's like when you go into Paris, it's like a totally different city than when I was there in the 1980s. Mm. It's like black and Arab as fuck. Mm. But they all speak, I believe, very perfect, proper French. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's been always part of the lineage, right? This sort of like, here's the thing. Universal equality has always meant universal sameness. Mm-hmm. That's what equal means. That, when I, f- I heard that shit, I heard that enunciated by a guy named Vine Deloria, who was a, a, a Native American activist and author. Mm-hmm. He said, I never wanted, I, he said, what do you say? I said, whenever the white man offered equality, I said, hell no, because I knew that meant sameness. Equality mm-hmm. meant being the same as a white man, and I didn't want that. Yeah. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, of course, right? Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes. Yeah. Uh. So you look, at the, you look at the Indian, you look at the Indian real quick. You look at the Indian reform schools mm-hmm. of the 19th century, right? They took all the tribes that survived and they stuck all their children. They took all their children and put them in these white men, the government schools. Mm-hmm. And I have pictures I could show you of, they would take pictures of all the classes of the children, like hundreds and hundreds of Indian children, all wearing uniforms, mm-hmm. like military uniforms, right? Yeah. Made them all the same hive mind. Same shit. We've been talking about this whole conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. So that they could be controlled. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I have a hard time believing this revolution in France is organic. You know, I, I want to say that there's a, a hidden hand who, first of all, you have to have a lot of uh, intellectual power to, uh, pull off something to overthrow a monarchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you need a lot of intellectual power, whether it's formal or unformal, we need a lot of intellectual power to pull something off like that. And I think mm-hmm. it was about like overthrowing um, the the monarchs to, so somebody else can come into power and replace the monarch with a new type of monarchy and just a new label, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you want to know an amazing thing about that? You're, you're always more right than you know. It's incredible. So Jean-Jacques Rousseau's book, The Social Contract, which is the birth of all of this shit, okay. that, was the, that was the inspiration for the French Revolution. And that to this day, every leftist studies the social contract and loves it. Mm. When, you, when you read the social contract, you're going to be like, this is totalitarian Orwellian. Not, you will be amazed that anyone thinks otherwise. Uh. But anyway, so I said to you, it preaches universal equality, right? In all these ways. But then- it's incredible. At the end of the book, he's like, well, actually, we're going to need a leader because a lot of the people aren't going to go along with this. And you know what he calls the leader? He calls the leader the prince. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he ha- in the rest of the book, this is the social contract by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. This is one of the most important books in Western civilization, right? He says the prince will be running the show, actually. Uh, yeah. Because he, under- because he understands. Because yeah. he like understood already. He understood already. He was like, yeah, you know what? If people actually take me up on this shit, there's going to be a dictator. You have to. Yeah. You have to. It just, you couldn't. In every case, that's what's happened. Yeah. In I mean, every case. He, Napoleon, he... Napoleon was the first. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he predicted Napoleon. Like the, the French Revolution happens right after the book is, is uh, published. And then oh. Napoleon happens right after that. And then every other, including Haiti, by the way. Right, right. The Duvaliers emerge out of that shit. 
So right. what do you know about uh, Marx not writing Das Kapital and in fact being handed that document? I, it, not in totality, not in totality. Why? That's what? Huh? No. Where do you get no, this from? No, no secret cabal handed no. him, handed him this gnosis of communism. Why? You think, you think, no. Karl, Marx, you think Karl Marx invented that? No, no. Okay. Get rid of that. <laughs> I, who, who, who gave who gave Karl Marx his ideology? He did himself. What do you mean? He was like a revolutionary thinker. Why can't? Why is it? Why is it impossible? Why is it impossible for someone just to come up with a brand new idea? Because I read his work and he seems like a dumbass. No. Then yeah. you, then you, you read Capital? No, I read uh, The Ten Planks of Communism. Read Capital. Re just, read five, just read five pages of Capital and tell me. I've read more than five pages of Das Kapital. And I, I'm just he's, not, no, he's not a dumbass. Come on. <sighs> Come on. No, no, no. No. What? Wait, what is this? Is this like, this is a conspiracy theory? Yes. Right. So who, who's behind it, you think? Uh, for, for lack of a better term, the Knights of the Round Table. Are you getting, <laughs> are you getting, at, are you getting at the redacted? No, no. Oh, okay. No, oh, the, no. oh, what's the Knights of the Round Table? Uh, oh, go ahead. You know, Templar type, Freemasonry type, cabal who operates in the background and and pull so for example, they would they would bring Karl Marx into secret meetings and uh -huh. teach him and groom him, right? Because what did Karl Marx actually create other than this document, right? He he his his financier was Engels. So I look at Engels as actually being the intellectual, right? Mm. And wow. and uh Marx being like the underling and the son. No? Why? Like, I don't like, like, why do you need that theory? Like, I don't even get it. Like, what's the, I don't know why right. you go there. There's right. No so, 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 so for example, when you create something nefarious, it's good to have a scapegoat. Right. And, and it's good to have, like I said, like that, that leader, that Jesus like icon. Right. So that's, okay. so before you have socialism and communism, you have this thing called Marxism. Right. Right. So why, why would it have, why would, why would something that's supposed to be so egalitarian, uh, right, mm -hmm. be so iconic at its inception instead of a group coming together and coming up with this stuff, right? To write the works that he, that he came together, I, I don't find capable of one individual. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll tell you two things. I, to this day, have never seen any evidence of any of that okay. to support that claim at all. And I have, right. wait, let me finish. And I've, and I've, and I'm, but I'm about to make you feel better in a second. Uh, um, and I've been studying this my whole life, literally, right? Right. right. Literally yeah. since I was born, basically, right? So right. I've never heard any. Okay. That's why, that's how, why I'm asking you because how, I need how, to how, However, <laughs> however, like, I didn't know a whole lot of shit. Right. Right. And even to this day, you know, I've been a professional historian of the United States for 25 years now. Mm -hmm. Like profession, that's my profession for 25 years. Like, this is what mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I've learned stuff. I think I just mentioned some stuff in this interview that I just learned recently that like blew me, me away. Like that completely changed my mind about things. Right. Right. Um, 
also, and this is not, I mean, I'm kind of like giving like a big general answer to your question, mm -hmm. but, and this is more about like how I feel about conspiracy theories in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to tell you this, like, um, the, uh, there's for one thing, most of the conspiracies that have been important have been open conspiracies, meaning cultural, mm -hmm. like there's been no need to talk. For instance, do you think the democratic governors need to call each other right now and say, you know what, let's extend the lockdown because it'll fuck up the economy and win us the election. No, they don't need to, they know, yeah. they know. So there's, yeah. um, world war two is like one example where there was an actual conspiracy of like a handful of men sitting in a room in the 1930s. And we're like, you know what, we're going to go to war in this way in these countries, and we're going to have this outcome and we're going to be the superpower done. But other than that, they don't need, they don't need theories. I mean, they don't need conspiracies. Mm. Um, oh, then as for like, whether, whether we should be dismissive toward conspiracy theories or not, all you got to do is just list goddamn pretty much a random, like five to 10 things that the CIA has actually done. Yeah that we know, like there's yeah. no disputing that they've done, like right. some of the craziest shit you can't even see in the movies, right? The shit they thought about and the stuff they thought about doing that they didn't do like be, you know, I mean, it's insane. And we're and we don't even know, like a lot of that stuff still hasn't been uh, declassified. Mm -hmm. They were overthrowing whole governments like by yes by doing every dirty deed there is possible and like, you know, so what they did to Fred Hampton conspiracy, right? I'm sorry. What they did to the black Panthers, Quintel pro that was a multi-year conspiracy. They had infiltrators in every black Panther organization. They took that organization down. And by the way, you know what other organization was taken down by Quintel pro who the Ku Klux Klan. Mm, mm, this mm. is again, Check this out. That was the huge, that was the primary target of the COINTELPRO program after the Panthers dissolved. Mm. The FBI and the COINTELPRO program, which had been used to destroy the Black Panthers, was then used to destroy the Ku Klux Klan in the 1970s. Why? They, same shit, exactly. They infiltrated and they set them up to commit crimes and then they busted them. Same shit with the Panthers. Mm. Mm. Why? Right, because here's the thing, everybody in Hotep Jesus, the fight isn't between black and white, everybody, it's between the state and all of us. Facts, facts. And these groups are anti-state for the most part. For, for the most part. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, right? All right, so let me ask you this. Was Karl Marx a Freemason? No, man, get this, no, what the fuck? What is it? what? <laughs> You're no. So you're, you're, you're telling me you're going to sit up here and tell me yes. Karl Marx was not a Freemason. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. I look, I gotta, I gotta take all these alternative facts and throw it but, at the guru and let you, and let you dissect them. But mm -hmm. if you would, if you had told me in uh, 1960 that the CIA would try to blow up some another uh, another foreign leader with a putting by putting explosives in, in his cigar 
I'd have said you're crazy, but they fucking did that among many other things. So, you know, I'm like holding out some possibility. I'm an agnostic. How about that? Right, right. Me too. Very much so. But I but doubt the thing it. Is, I, I, <laughs> I have to take these things that people spread and I have to bring them to the forum to yeah. allow you to, you know, either dispel or, or expand upon, right? I've never seen any evidence, but then that doesn't mean that it's, so, it didn't happen. Everybody heard it here first. Thaddeus Russell said Karl Marx is not a Freemason. No, sir. I doubt right. it. I doubt it. Right. I doubt it strongly. I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure I prove you wrong one day. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, I, that would make me so happy. I love that. Yeah, I'm serious. Um, all right. So we go from Marx. Marx is succeeded by... Uh, well... Like well, in the, like in the pantheon of the left, like who's who's the next like really important figure? Yeah, I mean it's Lenin. Not, Lenin. Okay, Lenin. Okay. There's yeah, some yeah. like okay, yeah, right, there, right. There's there are there are non-Marxist socialists between Marx. So Marx is operating in the early 19th century. Okay, right. And Lenin takes control in 1917. So it's about it's like a 80 or 70 year gap between the two guys. Right. In between, there's like a lot of non-Marxist socialists who gain power, including in this country. Um, but they're like Christian. They believe in like, again, like one big family. Okay. You know, kind of my, that was like my, I, my fantasy of socialism was kind of a Christian fantasy, right? God right. is the father and we're all his children. Mm -hmm. um, so then Lenin comes along though. And he's the big game changer. And so every every Marxist since him has been a Leninist, essentially, because he was like, here's how to put this shit into practice. Mm. Until now, it's basically been theoretical and like we've been playing games and there's like little socialist parties here and there, but we never took control of any sh anything. Mm -hmm. We never took control of any industry. We never certainly never took control of any country. And he's like, got an idea, guys. Let's not go for the like advanced capitalist countries like Germany and England and France. Let's go. There's this poor ass country over here where I'm from <laughs> with a really weak ass government, right? Where we actually have a shot because the, they're so, the government is so small and the country is so poor, we could actually pull this shit off with not, without raising too much of an army. Which, right. by the way, the Bolshevik Revolution was. People don't realize this. They think it was like some mass uprising of people. The, the Bolshevik Revolution was like a coup, basically. Uh -huh. I mean, the Mensheviks were the first, you know, they, right. and they, they were like sort of Bernie Sanders AOC types. Yeah. But they, but they just like snuck in, they took over, and then immediately, almost immediately, the Bolsheviks came in, executed all of them, and took over. Mm -hmm. But the point is, like, the Bolsheviks, probably i'm sure we're less than one percent of the population like the actual revolutionaries the actual people fighting i'm sure it was less than one percent of the population right mm. yet we think of it just like the civil rights movement by the way you know like i did the math like less th if some black person some old black person says they were like at some civil rights march doubt them it's like it's like every like it, it's like every American's also descended from Cherokees. You ever notice that? Like every white person yeah. thinks, yeah, yeah, uh -huh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I got Native American <laughs> in my blood. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. about one percent. If you do the math, it's about one percent maybe of black people at the time participated in in a civil rights like protest or something. But hmm. so yeah, um, a whole lot of so, mythology right. out there, man. So 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 all right. So then we go Lenin, right? And then yeah, Lenin, Lenin comes Stalin. 
So Lenin, so Lenin, so Lenin's like, all right, we're going to jumpstart this shit. We're going to get like a peasant poor ass country to do it first instead of an advanced capitalist country. So we're already like breaking the Marxist rule, right? Because Marx was like, this is going to happen in an advanced capitalist country. Uh. And, and Lenin and Trotsky are like, well, yeah, but like, uh, well, anyway, we're going to do it here. <laughs> yeah. So what country did they choose? Russia. So in 1917, Russia's like got a sh like a tiny capitalist core. Like it's a very uh, okay. unindustrialized compared to like Western Europe and America. Like it didn't have shit going on in terms of capitalism. Right. It was a peasant. It was like, I don't know, 80, I think it was 80% peasant, like people who mm. had never left the land, like slave, mm. basically almost like serfs, almost like slaves. Right. Almost. Um, so they have the revolution is terrible. They, 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 that's, that's against Tsar Nicholas. They kill, they kill the Tsar Nicholas and his family. Right. Um, there, it's miserable. There's a civil war with like nine different factions fighting each other for two, three years, mm. including the United States, by the way. Woodrow Wilson actually sends uh, an army force over from Alaska into Russia to fight against the Bolsheviks too. No one knows about that shit either. Mm. Uh, Bolsheviks have got like eight different armies fighting them at the same time, but somehow... And you got to give them some credit. Like they managed to win the war. Mm. They execute a whole bunch of anarchists. Everyone listening, go look up Kronstadt with a K, the Kronstadt Rebellion. This was an anarchist rebellion against the Bolsheviks. And the Bolsheviks shot them down in cold blood. Mm. And if the Kronstadt rebels, the anarchists had won that fight, world history might have been really, really different. Mm. Those were our homeboys right there. The That was like the original heroes to like anybody who's an anti-statist. Mm. That's the mm. fucking, those are the martyrs, man. Those are, that's. What was that? So what were they classifying themselves as anarchists? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They got, they got drafted. Word, okay. They got drafted, conscripted by the Bolsheviks into the red army, into the Navy okay. actually. And okay. they were like, fuck no, we're not going to go on. They, they were in uniforms. They got taken to the ships and they said, nope, we're not going to get on this ship. Mm. And they fought it out and they fought and they got, they got murdered. They got assassinated, executed. And that, and that but it was like a serious, there was like a major anarchist rebellion within at the beginning of this, at the very beginning of the Russian revolution mm. and the Bolsheviks once. So, okay. So Trotsky, my parents, dude, he was the head of the red army and he was right. the one who called the shots in the Kronstadt rebellion. Mm. Mm -hmm. My parents, dude, shot my heroes. <laughs> That's how sick everything is, man. Trotsky was a bad motherfucker. He was a horrible human being, and he was a terrible. Like he killed fucking hordes of people. He was the he was the executioner. He was the head of the military. He was the hitman. He was yeah, yeah. So he and Lenin are running things. They win the war. They take control. They impose communism. It's miserable. There's forced collectivization. There's starvation. And then in the 1930s, so Lenin dies earlier. Then there's like a jockeying for position as to who's going to take control of the Soviet Union, right? Mm -hmm. Trotsky's the main leader. He's like, oh shit, this is going to be mine. I'm going to be the man. Mm -hmm. Joe Stalin is this like up and coming young Bolshevik revolutionary, handsome, charismatic, and he's and he like works his way up to the top and manages to take control and get all of his opponents executed publicly. Mm. Has these mm. show trials in the 1930s. Then Joe Stalin takes control of the Soviet Union. 
and the rest is basically history. Like then from then until the end of the Soviet Union is basically a Stalinist society, you know, where mm. it's like totally top down, controlled by the Kremlin, controlled by a handful of men, command and control economy, building up missiles in a military because they're scared shitless of the United States as fast as they can. They know they can't win that war. So they're just like holding on for dear life. Their people are much more interested in like jazz and blue jeans than in communism. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the whole thing just falls apart. And it's the most amazing moment in, in world history because you know what happens? Like that huge, massive regime armed to the teeth, all people did was walk away from it. Mm. Mm. It wasn't a shot fired. Mm. No one died in 1990, 1991. Like in 1991, every Soviet person just was like walked off their job, walked away from the military bases, was like, we're done. And they were like, okay. I mean, because there's nothing you can do. So there was a, it was a nonviolent, huge revolution against authoritarianism. And like the people won and like, that should be an international Who's holiday every year. 1991. Who was the leader? Was that Gorbachev then or who was that leader? Yeah. Well, actually at the very end it was uh was it Andropov? But Gorbachev was the main. Yeah, I mean it was it was mostly Gorbachev who like loosened it up. I was in the Soviet Union in 1987. I went on a trip there for 2 weeks. It was fascinating. Okay. Mm, mm. It was fascinating. Yeah. So, um yep. the So there's another conspiracy theory. All right, let's do it. The communists leave Europe and infiltrate the United States of America. True or false? Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, in many ways, sure. Mm -hmm. Like that's like a, that's like a it's like an understatement in a way, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it could also be. It depends on what you mean. It could also be an overstatement. But like, fuck yeah, like so, like like, like the same people in power there have become in power in uh, positions of power in the United States. Um, yeah, I mean, base, yeah, I, not to the extent that like you and a lot of people on the alt right and like Curtis Yarvin thinks like mm -hmm. Curtis Yarvin mentions Moldbug, like he thinks it's like this whole lineage of communism and progressivism and communism are all the same. And like the, and he even connects it to the abolitionists. He's like, the abolitionists are the same as the progressives and the progressives are the same as the communists and the communists are the same as Obama mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and Clinton. And the Democratic Party, and I'm like Curtis. I need to see a little more on that, but before I yeah. buy that, but um, but so in two ways, there have been definite like infiltrations, but not maybe in the way you're thinking exactly. So like immigration, like it was fucking true. Like immigrants were bringing communism into this country. That's what was said to justify restricting immigration. Like mm. I'm an open borders guy, but like it was totally true. Like fucking half the Jews practically were like socialists of some kind. Like every Jew I've ever known and I've known a whole lot, like has a socialist in their family. Like mm. Jews are left wing as fuck. Like, you mm. know, and like, and I'm from my mother's half Jewish and like, she's, you know, commie and like, I mean, right. So, and Italians too, Italians brought a lot of anarchism here. There's a mm. lot of Italian anarchists. Sacco and Vanzetti were the famous ones who were executed. Mm -hmm. Um, Russians brought in all kinds of, you know, socialism. Yeah. So, uh, so that was one way, but it wasn't like orchestrated. Mm. It wasn't orchestrated. Not okay. that one, not that one. So that's like the early 20th century, but we did get, that's when we got a bunch of like Marxists and socialists and communists in here. Right. Was through immigration. Totally. Okay. But hold on now. So then you got the communist party, capital C, capital P, the okay. one that worked with 
the Soviet Union that was created by the Soviet Union. Okay. These were literally actually agents of the Soviet Union inside the United States, right? Right, right, right. The CPUSA, right? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, yes, yes. So they're, so they're established in the 1920s, basically, or 19-teens, but they become huge in the 1930s. Like, as I said, I think like a half a million or a million members, but then there's like several million people who are really, really close to the party so that they may as well be members. Um, okay, so we're talking about, and that's when the United States was about 200 million, maybe something like that. It was much smaller, you know, so like- and, and a lot of those people were in Hollywood and a lot of those people, yes, in fact, were in the government. Mm. Yes. And a lot of those people were in fact teachers. Yes. And a lot of them were professors. Yes. And scientists. Yes. True, true. And novelists and screenwriters. Yes. And musicians. Woody Guthrie. Yes. And then they got all kicked out of the paint in the 1950s, right? And- By the who? They got kicked out. I mean, of all those professions by, oh, okay. by the anti by McCarthy. I say kicked okay. out, kicked out of the paint, pushed out, you know, moved out of the paint. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Be out of out of those positions, right? Out of the cent, out of this. I used the paint deliberately because it was the center of society they were in. Okay. So making you're right, and and here's the thing: it's so it's they were taking orders directly from Moscow. Mm. Yes, sir. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were a member. If you were a member of the C you had to. That's that was the point of it. It's you know, like it's like joining the nation of Islam and not taking orders from Elijah Muhammad. Like, no, that's the point. Like you that's mm. right. Like so yeah, right. it, they were deliberately infiltrating and and some of them were saboteurs and spies, and the Rosenbergs were actually, yes, they were stealing military secrets and they were executed for it. Right, but it's right. but they really were. We now know they really were Soviet spies. Mm, 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 it's so funny mm. for, like, for years though like the left you know you know what they would say about the rosenbergs always now they just don't mention them anymore but for years the rosenbergs were like the big martyrs like they were like huge martyrs like almost like emmett till like almost like that right oh wow Whoa, the, Ro the rosenbergs they were murdered they were executed by the state and like i'm of course opposed to the state executing anybody but like and it was like they were innocent they were innocent oh my these poor innocent jewish people in brooklyn were murdered by the state for nothing turns out they were working straight up for the kremlin stealing like atomic secrets to build a bomb with you know what i mean like so like uh, yeah the left the left is so fucking it's like you're either revolutionaries or you're not uh, you know what i mean yeah like they were revolutionaries the rosenbergs and you know what happens when you're a revolutionary you often get killed mm-hmm that's part right? of being a revolutionary. Like, go go talk to Nelson Mandela and Steve Biko about like what a revolutionary is, right? Mm. Like, go talk to go talk to Ho Chi Minh, right? And the fucking you know Vietnamese North Vietnamese in the 1960s about what it means to be a revolutionary. Do you think they were like, stop killing us? It's not fair. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you think a revolution is? Yeah, yeah. Why are they so mean to us with their police? What? You didn't like these people nowadays who call themselves revolutionaries and start crying when a cop like bumps them. I'm like, they fucking tortured Steve Biko to death in the jail until he died. You fucking little children. Are you talking like, if you're going to be a revolutionary, that's be a revolutionary. Like, yeah. otherwise it's just, you're playing in the sandbox. Yeah. Come with it. It comes with it. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm 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 unpacking some of the stuff you're saying. A lot you know, here. Yeah, it's a lot. All right, so 
all I, I have I have a little bit of sympathy towards some of the socialists and I wanna say early nineteenth century America where they're not of the C P variety. They're more of yeah. you know, I'm being treated unfairly by corporations variety, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is why I like I don't agree with people throw all socialists out, right? With the bad yeah. ones. And I'm like, there are some socialists out here who got some sense and the things that they're fighting for do make sense. Yeah. And socialism may work in pockets, right? Yeah. Um, right. Let me, let me, that's a great, that's an awesome point. And also I would say another thing to say about that um, is that like the early socialists that I was talking about, like the pre-Marxist ones, like, so Eugene Debs, by the way, is the most famous one. He got a million votes for president like in 1912, hmm. 1920, I think, some, somewhere in there. He got a million votes for president. Then he went to, this dude, he went to prison for opposing World War I also. Mm. He did time, in, like serious time in prison for opposing the war. Mm. And he got a million votes at, for the Socialist Party for president. Like, mm. he went fucking, and he was not a Marxist. He was a Christian socialist. Mm. So, and he had some problems for sure. But like, but what you're saying though, um, and by the way, my great grandparents were socialist party members then even like I, I my whole shit is left wing from <laughs> like all the way back to then. Um, but um, but but the the corporations, the business, the, the massive corporations that they were fighting against. Like the railroads. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of fucking help do you think they got from the government? None. Actually, nope. like, the corporate well the people didn't get help the the corporations got help yeah no the, the railroads the guard the national guard was pulled out for the corporations exactly how would yeah. you like it if like the federal government was like yeah hotep jesus needs he's going to build this um it's going to be this like road that goes from new york city to san francisco but the thing is all the way from here to there it's there's like about a million savages who will like kill any worker who will attempt to build the road. So, but what we're gonna do as a federal government, we're gonna devote the whole fucking military, the army to protecting all of his workers all the way across the country as they're, and ki will kill all the savages who try to get in the way of building the road. Mm -hmm. That was just the beginning mm. of what the state, the government and its monopoly on violence did for those fucking corporations that the socialists didn't like so much. So thank mm. you for defending socialists. Back, yeah. then. back then, back then, back then, back my, then. My, my old, my great grandparents, not my parents. My parents were fucking psychos, but my great grandparents, they were okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's such an important nuance to have, right? Because, yeah. because then you can start to have a conversation with modern day socialists, right? And you can start to sympathize with some of the gripes that they have. And then you can start showing them the state, right? This is how you red pill socialists, you know, in order to red pill socialists, you first have to understand that their gripes are legitimate. Many of their gripes are legitimate yeah. Yeah. and then work from there and then show them the ties to the state. You know what, to me, to me, like the whole pro and I didn't, I didn't realize this until like I, I left the left. Like I realized that when I was on the left, which means until I was like 30 fucking five or something like that, mm. maybe even later, I had no like, I didn't have a real theory of the state. Like mm. I didn't really know that it was a monop the monopoly on violence. I didn't know that theory yet. That's, mm. that's, that's embarrassing. Mm. I had a PhD in history, man. <laughs> from Columbia <clears throat> in social science. And they never, and they never told me that. Oh my God. 
I mean, it's partly my fault, of course, because I could have found it out. But like I'm saying, they never taught that to us. Because they're an agent of the state. This is like PhD, Ivy League in history. Yeah. In a social science. They never said there's a theory by this guy, Max Weber, that's really important that the state is the mono the, uh, the legitimate authority on violent, uh, monopoly on violence. Like, hmm. God damn, that's important. Yeah. Like they think you just get tickets if you like violate a law, like, you know, and that's all that ever is going to happen to you. Oh, no. My mother, I had this argument with her. She does this all the time. I'm like, I said, mom, you, you understand, right? Like really bad things happen at the end of the day if you fight the state in any way, like if you don't do what they tell you to. She's like, no, no, you just get tickets. I said, she's like, like, like with a like with a traffic ticket. You just get a ticket. I said, yeah, they, right. You get a ticket. Okay. So then when, what happens if you don't pay it? You get another ticket. I said, yeah, right. What if you don't pay that? Da, da, da. And I said, yeah, well, her name is Corinne Gaines. Do you know what, mm -hmm. who Corinne Gaines was? The, tra mm -hmm. the woman in Maryland who had some yeah. traffic tickets. She, she didn't want to pay. She didn't want to pay. She didn't want to pay. And finally, mom, I said, they sent the SWAT team to her house. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And the SWAT dude shows up at her front door and Corinne is sitting at her kitchen table with a shotgun, as she should have. Mm -hmm. And she sees a man with a rifle at her front door and she raises a shotgun as she should have. And they mm -hmm. fucking killed her in front of her child. Yeah. Over, over left turns. And red, I don't know, stop signs, What tra traffic. Right. Traffic violations. So, and I don't, I don't give a fuck that she was black. Right. And I don't give a fuck that that cop was white. Yeah, because it happens to white people all the fucking time. Yeah, but they don't even understand that like the state. That's what it's about. It's yeah. about death. Yeah, even about yeah. that level of shit. Yeah, and and that's my that's my beef with the left is, you know, they want to talk about you know all these systems of white supremacy and it's just like, all right, let's say we wave the magic wand and we put this system under you know socialism or communism. Oh, you're going to hate your life then. You just gave them like total control and power, right? And um in that I it just I'm like, yeah, I know. It <laughs> I've been try so I I don't ever use red pill, but like okay, like I guess my way of like trying to get into the heads of people like this is to is to say like before you get into like any any issue like in any depth just start off by being like talking about their feelings about one entity the government mm. right and don't like and don't talk about who's in the government right just right. the the government right and just like how do you feel about the government right and it'll be mm. negative it'll always right. be negative and it's probably going to be like really negative if you just say the government like in the abstract yeah and then yeah. you're like cool I'm so glad we agree. Government sucks, doesn't it? Right? And then, and then they're like, already they're like, oh shit! Wait, 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 wait! No, hold up! Nancy Pelosi's better. Nancy Pelosi's better. I'm like, no, she's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, but, but yeah, but then I'm like, then you, then, then I make your argument, which is the that's the closing, that's where you seal it, which is like, okay, so this thing that you hate so much, ew, and like also look at like all the things it's produced that you say ew about, right? Mm. Like the disgusting schools and libraries and all this shit that they, shitty roads. Oakland's got like more potholes than road here, by the way. Yeah. Um, and New Orleans, same thing, whatever. <laughs> anyway, that thing, as you were saying, you want to give them all the, you want to make sure that they have all the guns, first of all. So you have no way to fight back. 
you're telling me that the president now is a fascist and a Nazi and the head of the Ku Klux Klan, but you want to make sure that we don't have any guns to fight against him? <laughs> you guys didn't dig logic. <laughs> it's like all thought was just like completely removed from the conversation. I mean, because my fucking like, you know, dog can understand that argument. Like yeah. if I'm sorry, like we just elected Hitler. Let's give him all our guns. Right, right. <laughs> You think that's what the, that's what the Jews did in 1933? They're like, oh, oh shit, Hitler's the Hitler's the king now. Here's our guns, boss. Right, like, right. <laughs> no. no sense. Yeah, yeah. And then, but on top of that, then it goes deeper than that. In a way, it's even worse than that because then they're like, we need, we need. Well, what are they talking about now? They're talking about federal jobs guarantee. Uh huh. They want, uh -huh. they want us to work for Trump. Uh, 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 uh. They That's want Trump to be our employer. Uh. These people are so, the left used to be smart, man. Like, it doesn't, what? Wait, he's the worst thing in the whole wide world, but he, we want him to be my boss. Right, right, right. And it won't be me because I'm a wealthy white, well, relatively wealth. It's going to be the people you seem to care about so much. Right, right. It's oh, Jamal wow. in Newark who's going to be working for Donald <laughs> Trump. <laughs> That's your new boss. You're right. That's what you want. You want Jamal in Newark to be wearing a uniform with what do you think the Amer what do you think the uniform is going to have on it? It's going to have the American flag on it. You've and it's going to be a uniform. It's going to be a work uniform with the American. Now, what does Jamal look like all of a sudden? Mm. It mm. looks like a chain gang. Yeah, yeah. I'm, is it why? Why are these dots so far apart for these people? <laughs> you know, my, my, my other problem with socialists is they've demonstrated uh, no capability of demonstrating that this idea works, even in the small packs of their groups. You know, there's no type of pooling of assets. There's no, oh yeah, you know, there's no community, right? And we can't oh, even yeah. consider the chap the chop that because we know that was some you know hack organization from Antifa, but they've never even attempted to even create an economy and to see how inefficient their way of living would be. Nope, nope, no. I think because as I said, most of the left is animated primarily by a, a desire to to kill those they envy to hurt mm -hmm. to hurt or kill others i mean sorry not all not all right but i think i think the leaders i think right. the hardcore the ones certainly fighting in the streets like the antifa no doubt that's what that seems obvious do i have to right. even explain that you know like <laughs> right, those right, kids right. in portland man Ugh. god i want to kick some ass so bad <laughs> god damn <laughs> i want to talk about portland I can't, I just, I can't stand it because I used to live near there and I, and the Antifa in Portland is so crazy, like, yeah. and they can't even fight well. So I just, I just, oof. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like the mayor just, just, and the, and the governor just dropped the ball on that. You've never, you've never witnessed such psychotic white guilt in your life as in Portland, in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon. It is. 
I think it's because there's so few black people or something, but like the white people in Oregon are like extra crazy about it. They're like super duper crazy. Mm. It's, it's really weird up there. Like about, they're all really obsessed with race and black mm. people and whiteness. And there's like no black people. There's right. not even, they don't even have Mexicans there. Right. Not even Asians in Portland. It's amazing. There's a West Coast town with no Latinos or Asians. Much. I'm like, how did you manage this? And at the same time, they're like, all they talk about is black people as if like it's relevant. Like, right. what do you, it's like, so it's all like taking place elsewhere. The shit that they're talking about. Right. Or not taking place at all, but it's not taking place in Portland. I can tell you that much. You know, there's right. no, like, right. so anyway, can. it's just a crazy town. And then, it's dominated by people like that. So the mayor, I think, is just kind of like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Like, it's my mm. citizenry. They're crazy. Like, yeah, they are. It's just a very weird group of white people. It's like, and it, the fact that it's all white, I think actually like has a strange inf I mean, it makes it more, even more crazy because it's more insular, right? Like the, the, the culture, it's mono, it's a mono culture. Yeah. It's all like white middle class hipster kind of types. It's not even white working class. It's not like there's no Trump no, types. It's, no, no. it's and they all drink the same coffee, like literally, right? And like it's the <laughs> same the politics are identical. Like, you know, there's like and it, it's in it creates like intellectual inbreeding and stupidity. Mm, 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 I think. And mm. crazy and like psychosis. Like you start thinking the Ku Klux Klan is everywhere because you're like looking at yourself all the time. You get nuts, right? Right, right. I guess. Right. I don't know. But mm. don't move there. And and <laughs> so I guess I guess that's like that hive mind group think creates linear thinking. And then you have these blinders on and that's all you see. So that becomes your reality. Hmm. It does. Mm. So I got, I got about, five, I got about five more minutes. All right, let me just finish off with the super chats here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John the Baptist Jr. That's one hell of a name. <laughs> good, good he name. Said, uh, would you say that some Afrocentric ideology is distorted and misleading? Hmm. Is he asking me or you? I think I'm gonna say he's asking you. All right, I. I do know a lot about the history of black nationalism, as you and I discussed when you were on my show, but mm -hmm. actually I will say that the portion of it that I don't know well is the Afrocentric portion. I mean, I know like, I know the Ron Karanga crowd. I know like the Temple University crowd. I know like the academic side of it a little bit, mm -hmm. but I don't actually know that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Afro, I mean, I know the, I, of course I know the basic philosophy and shit. Like, I, it's it's an origin story, right? Essentially, uh, to me, and like everybody's got an origin story. Every group's got an origin story. They're all at least partly mythical. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I don't really care, first of all, about this one way or the other. Like, um, so there's that. Like, as to whether it's true or not, all this stuff in Afro Central, you know, I don't really care. It's secondary importance to me. Mm -hmm. What's important to me is the politics of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the politics of it, as I've said many times, is very much part of this black nationalist lineage of de a decolonized mind is what I call it, or what Fanon would say, which is like not caring about the white man, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Decentering, mm -hmm. taking the white man out of the center of your mind, which is what was it Lauren Hill said, mm -hmm. right? Also, right? Mm -hmm. And you have said, and I, you know, so like 
So that's to me where it was good. And that's really the end of it for me because that's really all I ever ask of white people. Mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, of black people <laughs> mm -hmm. is to get me out of their head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is to stop yeah. worrying about me. Yeah, yeah. That's the so only funny. thing I have to ask. Do your thing. Don't worry about me. <laughs> you know. Um, John Lemmy said, uh, I'm still sick that Rosa Parks is in the title of a hook of one of the better songs of uh, Aquemini. Um, hey, Charles wait a second. I mean, yeah. look, look, look. They did desegregate the fucking buses, okay? So this is not a small... I wasn't like saying Rosa Parks, therefore, is like, sucks, but... Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Let's, be, let's be clear. She's still a hero. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You're just talking about puritanism. Total hero. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Charlie Fadal Zubachai said, Do you believe that BLM heads actually understand Marxist theory, especially since their focus is on identity? <laughs> Hell no. They haven't read Cap. You think you think they've read Capital? Hell no. <laughs> uh, probably not. Hell no. Uh, John Lemley said, No need to claim Cherokee blood as a Caucasian when you're actually descending of real Indian tribes like the Creeks. <laughs> uh, every, uh, yeah. Uh, Halima, thank you for the super chat, Halima. I'll see you tomorrow morning at the Mogul Summit. Uh, Christopher Manal, five dollar super chat. That's that's all the super chats right there. All right, um, great chat, bro. Um, I'm gonna have to play this back, take my notes, and uh, do some studying. Yeah, but, uh, thank you for coming through. We're gonna do this again, you know. All right, saying? anytime, man. Yeah. I'm yours. Well, I told you, I'm yours. <laughs> I appreciate that. If you guys haven't already, make sure y'all go out and get. A renegade history, United States by Thaddeus Russell. Um, very good document here. Very well researched. Primary, he's going. He's going out and getting the sources his damn self. Traveling, <laughs> getting on planes, and, and and getting the sources his damn self, which I, I think is commendable in itself. Um, but yeah, thanks, Jack. About that, appreciate that. Thank you, man. How See you soon. See you soon, bro. All right, peace. <laughs> it's been another uncomfortable conversation, people. As always, I'm your benevolent host hotep jesus i'll be back next week i'm gonna try to get doe dudes on the platform to speak to y'all hopefully we can get a, some timing situation going um daddyus russell if you uh check the description box link you can go become a member of the renegade university i'm a member myself um there's a, a wealth of information in that university that's daddyus's uh group and um he's got videos in there and you guys can increase your history knowledge uh, thank this uh, shout out to Sketch Therapy and Raider holding me down in the chat as moderators. Chad holding me down as always. I appreciate that. Um, the, a copy of this will be uh, available on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Jesus. So you guys will be able to check that out. And as Raider has just uh, informed us, Hotep has been told you every single Thursday. My relationship show is on Wednesdays, 930 uh, Eastern Time Pacific. So make sure you are tuning in my channel then. Before you leave, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Please subscribe to bring you a, a lot more uh, valuable content. Be safe and enjoy your weekend.